bro, we have officially gotten to the biggest episode of the entire season of Game of Thrones, the series itself. Uh, season 8, episode 5, The Bells, and man, they're slipping into the lava. And I'm trying to keep from going under. And baby, Danny turns the temperature hotter. Because the King's Land is burning up, burning up for you, baby. Oh, burning up is the place to be. <laughs> Yo, what's up, man? Good to be back Dirty. here with you. Let's We're do it, yo. back, baby. Malice in the chalice for that, Malice my man. in the chalice. Oh, guys, thanks for joining us again this week, man. Oh, dude, it's it's been a uh, it's been pretty fun these past couple days, man. I'll man, tell you what. it has been a hell of a ride. Not to get too but, loud on my mic here for our audience, but. Damn, we have given it the rodeo for show. It's really sad. It's it's like sad in the almost like when you're graduating, you know it's about to come to an end, but you're enjoying the last days. That's last us. Hurrah. Yeah, this is us with Game of Thrones. Like you know, after this, we've only got one more episode of the actual series, and then we do our summary, and bro, then we're done. Yeah, and we're gonna like, give you that bonus dude, episode, and we're gonna feel dude, honestly, we're we gonna, don't want it over. We're gonna feel a little bit empty when it's over. I know we are. Like we just put. Let's see, we started this in the second week of February. You know, right now it's the first week of June, second week of June. I'm sorry, it's the second week of June. Like that's a lot of that's four months of our lives we put into Game of Thrones, man. So we'll be over. What's the last week? We'll so next on. week's the 21st will be the uh, the last episode. Then after that is going to be the 28th, where we'll will be our summary. So that's so, a solid like yeah, what, six months. That's four months. I think four months. Right? Yeah, okay, four, four months. Like a little yeah. bit over four months. Yes, because it, it was February. It was February 9th, right? Yeah, I don't know anyone else. Until June 28th will be. And here's yeah. the thing, man. Oof. Like, besides. That's a lot of our life, man. Think about that. That's the majority of 2020. Literally. And that I, besides actual just Game of Thrones podcast, I don't know anyone that spent this much time dissecting the detail on an arc. Yeah, no, nobody. <laughs> nobody. done it, man. Slipping into the lava. You liked how we did that, right? That was beautiful. <laughs> so good. And it's a little bit of foreshadow for you folks, you know. Uh, you know, before we get into everything, guys, we always like to give updates, man. Uh, we have officially tripled our numbers from where we thought we were going to be by the end of the Game of Thrones arc. It has, um, this is not a joke. And this, that you know what, I can't, I can't thank you guys enough. This is 100% serious. We have physically tripled the numbers that we had written down. Like, hey, I'll be happy if we get to this number. We've tripled it. Yeah. And so, I mean, I got to thank you guys all because now we're in 34 countries in the world. And you know what? I don't, I don't know the number off the top of my head. I think there's something like you know, 156, 200 Jamaica, countries. I don't know, I don't know Italy, how many Bahamas. countries there are in the world. But at the end of the day, man... 34 countries is pretty impressive especially given the times that are going on right now so uh, i want to thank everyone from the bottom of my heart that stuck with us this long i mean this isn't the end right we still got the next episode yeah. to finish off a of game of thrones so i don't want to get too like melodramatic but i know our time with game of thrones itself is, is coming to a close so yeah. i'm starting to get a little i'm getting a little emotional man so yeah man and um real quick speaking of emotions you know we didn't do this last episode i think we should give a moment of silence to george floyd um, I got a lot of respect for the people out there and just know everyone that's going through something, you know, me and Josh can't relate to what you're going through, but just know we have a lot of sympathy for you and, uh, we're here for you every step of the way. The, the best, the best quote I heard for that is I understand that I don't understand, but yet I stand with you guys. 
So um, we're we're with you. We know. Uh, I mean, we we can't imagine exactly what you're going through, but we know it takes a lot to get to this point. And it was the the, the behaviors that led to this were unacceptable with the disproportionate killing of of your guys' people. And we're really we really sympathize with you, and we want to take this time to recognize that we're going to give a moment of silence and then we'll, we'll jump in yeah what we mean your people you know your friends family cousins uh everyone in your family and it just uh really hits us here um we see our own personal friends yes and uh going through that and through struggles and stuff that me and you will never have to go through yeah and we uh want you know to stand I mean? up for you so we um just want to let you know here you know josh and i we we always have your back whatever we can do to help out that's what we're here for so let's do it let's give him a moment of silence and uh we'll we'll get into it yeah (laughs) all right my man by the way, I do want to say something cool. Yeah. I started watching The Last Dance. It's pretty damn good. With Michael Jordan? Oh, yeah. yeah that's a badass good. documentary. That's one of my favorite ones that's come out. I mean, it's given me such a better appreciation <laughs> for... Because, like, they're not, Michael Jordan didn't, didn't do a ton of interviews. It wasn't, like, super up in the media's face. Like, you know, we didn't know a lot about him. Especially... So, I was born in 92. You were born in 91? 91. Yeah. And, like, so he was... You know, they did their 3P. He finished up in 98. So when he retired from the Bulls during the second, you know, obviously he retired for two years in the middle and came back. But in 98, I was only six years old. You're only seven mm-hmm. years old. So we didn't get a yeah. real full appreciation of, like, who this guy was, right? Yeah. And I know he pushed off doing this documentary because he knew it was going to have people see him in a more negative light. Mm-hmm. But, bro, I have got a lot of respect, more respect than I Nothing. already had for him. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to you. I was like, you know, this guy's kind of an ass. But he kind of had to be, but... I still remember being a kid. Um, the earliest member of, memory of Michael Jordan I have was he played for the Wizards when he came back from retirement. Because I was such a young kid, you know. I don't, you know, for me and you, it's different if we're talking about our parents or grandparents. Yeah. But for me and you, growing up in that area, that era, I mean, it being as a kid. I mean, you really don't know the stardom you're watching at that time. Yeah, man. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing to watch. And, like, the, the difference is, too, like, right now, I would say the most popular player in the NBA is probably LeBron James, and he's the best player of, of this era for sure. Mm-hmm. But people don't give him the respect, or nor are they in awe of him in the way that they were of Michael Jordan. It was amazing to see how many people just, like, like when Michael Jordan was in the room, it was like, dude, like, like, oh my gosh, it's Michael Jordan. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, so, one thing that's sorry not to interrupt you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm finished up. Yeah, that's why I love the beginning because we can kind of talk about whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like, one thing I loved, um, where it really showed the respect these people had. These two, uh, this little girl and this little boy from Chicago said, "Our parents gave a cho- gave us a choice. Santa Claus could buy us presents." Or bring us tickets to go see Michael Jordan, and we chose Michael Jordan. That's awesome. Like that's awesome. That's like that's so cool. that's amazing. And um, imagine having that amount of that kind of impact on so many people as yeah. a single individual. Like I hope we can have like a quarter of the impact that Michael Jordan has on the on the yeah. <laughs> on the population. That'd be amazing. Bro. <laughs> I gotta Man. say, it made me miss Kobe a lot too. And when um, he when he made that appearance in the documentary, yeah. have you gotten that far yet? Oh yeah, I'm on like episode six. Okay, have, so have you seen Kobe when he came in and talked a little mm-hmm. bit about it? That was super sad. I mean, here's the thing, though, too. I remember you remember we did was it the Witcher episode when he passed? Yeah. Um, 
I love how, you know, a lot of people say, you know, what if you took on Jordan one-on-one? And he always loves to say, I hate when people compare me to that because Jordan was one of my mentors that inspired me. And that, that's a very good point. Like, you know, as good as Kobe was, like, he was always the most humble guy. Well, the, and the crazy part is, too, is he modeled his game exactly after Michael Jordan. I'll show you, Chase. I don't know if you've seen this. And for anyone else that's listening right now, I've got a video that I would love you guys to watch. Go on YouTube and just put in Michael Jordan and Kobe, same highlight. And it will show mm-hmm. you a side-by-side of them doing the same moves in the same place on the court. And it's eerie. It's very scary. They look like the same exact player doing the same exact shots in the same exact way. Like it's really, it's awesome. And I do want to say this real quick because a lot of people compare, just since we're on the beginning of our show, a lot of people try to compare Kobe to, uh, or I'm sorry, LeBron to, to Jordan. LeBron and Jordan are two differently kind of style players the one reason i loved comparing kobe to jordan which you shouldn't do was just their style of play was so much better i love when people were they like were very similar yeah kobe and jordan like you are better off comparing kobe to jordan than lebron to michael jordan lebron so. was more of a magic johnson type player he's an assist person first a big tall guy he's a small forward that can play the point like like he's he's what six eight Six eight, and he can play the point, which is un- unbelievable. Like, they give yeah. LeBron all the respect in the world, but they played the game way differently. Like the attack killer mentality. Like I'm going at the whole. I'll have to, if I've got to take seventy five shots a game, I'm going to. That was Kobe, and that was Michael Jordan. Yeah. So, which I know we don't talk sports a lot about the show, but I know you're you're surprised because me and <laughs> me and Josh actually watch sports a lot. We Big sports, sports in nuts. high school. Huge sports. Nuts. Where, didn't you play? Didn't you play football in high school? Or yeah, I, I, I played. I played football, basketball, ran track in high school. I did, yeah. I did three varsity sports. See, I was uh, I was kind of a little bit different. I ran. I did football, and then I wrestled because I wasn't tall enough yeah. for the basketball team. And then I <laughs> That's ran true. Track. I can see that. <laughs> so. Yeah, we were just a little bit different. But um, one thing we didn't address on the last episode that me and Josh researched. So <clears throat> if you actually watch the extra documentary on HBO as far as Game of Thrones goes, um, where Arya like, kind of popped out of nowhere, apparently, according to the script, she really leapt off a whole body of whites. <laughs> Which <laughs> so is what said. I thought was the most like, <clears throat> probable anyways, because it's not she's going like, to fling through the trees. There was no tree that was close enough. So like I thought, <laughs> and I thought it, they did a decent job like of showing it when it showed like a wind coming by the like the general white walker's ear like his his hair like flapped in the wind so like it showed like and he kind of like what was that and which was jordan you know jordan kind of flowed in the air and (laughs) came (laughs) yeah (laughs) so anyways guys uh that's how we wanted to to start off with you today now you know what we're really gonna do and tackle. I know last week we tackled the last of the Starks, which was episode four. This <laughs> last one, dance, last of the Starks. Yeah, exactly. Pretty yeah. much. This one here, like I said, you now outside the long night, this might be the biggest and most anticipated episode of the entire series. And so, uh, I say we go ahead and do a quick recap of what we left off with and jump right into this bad boy because you know what the bells has got a lot of detail and a lot of big things happen this is it i mean we are at that climax point we have been working at since february um this is it i'm still kind of on the side i understand why danny did it i don't agree with the outcome however 
she's still my queen, no matter what people <laughs> say. You know that well, I got don't don't give anything away, man. We got a lot to get through here. Not gonna give so anything like, away, but real quick, did yeah. you know people were naming their kids after Daenerys, and then that changed real fast? <laughs> I know that's so funny. That's something that I remember like that happening. Like as I remember like seeing a post about that, like articles about it right after like la- about last year this time when the last episode uh, mm-hmm. aired, and they're like, oh, maybe that wasn't the best move. Isn't that so funny though? Think of how the timing worked out. We're finishing almost at the same exact point. Around the same time. We're going to be about a month late with you yeah. know when we finished up with our, our summary, but we're, we're, it was, it's close enough, you know. Mm-hmm. Cool. But, let's, I think we yeah, should let's, go ahead I mean, let's in. give them a quick recap about the events that led to where we are today. I mean, the biggest thing I want to start off with was probably the biggest shock of last season, not last season, last episode, is uh, when Rhaegal uh, got taken down by Euron. Three, three scorpion bolts, <laughs> three one to the chest. Three man. One to the arm wing and one through the neck. And now Daenerys has lost Rhaegal. She lost Jorah in the Long Night. Now she's lost Rhaegal. And and then as we keep on going through what happened, um, (laughs) Cersei uh, ordered the mountain to uh, take off Missandei's head. And then, unfortunately, Missandei, wrong place, wrong time. (laughs) And uh, uh, the mountain separated her head from her body right in front of Daenerys' face. And so... Now, at this point in time, we've seen Daenerys lose Jorah, Rhaegal, and uh, Missandei all in a very short amount of time, not to mention Viserion, not too far <coughs> in the past either. So, you know, you can see, uh, and it almost opens up the same sort of way, and we'll, we'll get there in a second, but you can see the snap in her eyes at the very, very end of The Last of the Starks, that, that, like, that last closing scene, that's actually like the last note I had, is you can see the snap in her eyes. But And... You're really seeing everyone that Danny has been close to is breaking her because they're losing her trust. Yeah, think about it. Completely gone. Varys has been trying to kind of like uh, talk about possibly supporting somebody else. Tyrion's been giving her advice that's not been working out. Like, (laughs) like you know what I mean. So really, right now, the only person I think that Danny has full blown trust and confidence in is Grey Worm. and and Grey Worm's lost it all Grey Worm doesn't care anymore because think about it he was unsullied so he was he was pretty much didn't care about anything from the very beginning and he learned how to care for Masande and that was taken from him so now he's back to just straight up soulless man yeah man he's ready to ready to rock and roll man remember this guys they would cut off their genitals because they didn't want them to feel emotion yeah urges anything like not only that like Grey Worm really detailed it out for us not too long ago. I'll just give a quick recap about that. He said, hey, if you're scared of water, they throw in the ocean. If they're scared of dogs, they'll throw you in a dog pit. You know, if you come back, good. If you die, good. Like, you know, they, they make sure they overcome every fear. Like, they make them into the ultimate weapons. And you know what? Grey Worm was one of the few that uh, was able to somehow, you know, beat that mental block that was instilled in them as children and develop these this affection and attraction and relationship with Masande, and then that was taken from him in front of his face. And I do so want- in, in two different ways. Give me a second. The two Go different give two different ways. He was on the ship with her when Euron Greyjoy destroyed it and took her. Then he was there when the mountain took her head off. Like literally, he had an option, an opportunity, quote unquote, to try to save her, and was not able to do anything either time. Imagine how helpless you feel in that moment. And. I do want to say this because it's not in the book, but I watched an interview with Wise and, and Benning off 
and they said George R. R. Martin, before they would write the scripts to this, they would have him describe kind of what the characters were feeling at this moment. And one of the biggest things that stood out to them was when they wrote this episode, George R. R. Martin described Grey Worm as the angel of death. And that is symbolism because he's lost it all at this point. And this is the one girl, remember, he wanted to go to Noth. He wanted to sail off with her, and this was his goal. You know, I would always fight for my queen, but I want to leave with you. Yeah. This is it. Imagine you've lost everything. And Danny's almost going through the same thing. So at this point, it's all, all hand on, yeah. hands on deck. Dude, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I, I, I was going to say that's a great way to put it, man. Um, all bets are off. That's, all bets, that's, are, all off. bets are off, man. So You're let, going all in at this point. Let's jump into it, bro. So episode five, the bell starts out. Uh, Varys is writing a letter disclosing John's true lineage. My question, I think you have the most logical answer for it because we talked about this before we, we began today. My question was, who was he writing to and why did that never come up again? Is it because of what happens later on and no one able, was able to see that letter? But Chase, tell them who you think that letter was to and I, I have to say I agree with you. So I pause the screen, which you can't see everything in the letter. You can see most of it, almost like when you know Sansa or I'm sorry, Arya was reading a letter before that he discovered she discovered from Baelish in the mattress. Like you can see part of it, or was it Sansa? Well, the, um, Sansa wrote the letter, and you and like we already knew right. what that because that came yeah. from season one. But like I know what you're saying, yeah. So you, you you could barely see you can see parts and bits of the letter. So of what you could see, what did you have there? So what you can see, it says, not only Targaryen left, Rhaegar and Lyanna. Dot dot dot. Their son lives still. Hidden by Eddard Stark. He is the true heir to the Iron Throne. So here's my theory. If you go back to the episode before, when they're discussing their military battle plans, <clears throat> Varys makes a quick sentence. And you can actually go back and review this. Go watch this episode. This is back when Daenerys is discussing with Sansa. says, you know, you want to postpone. And right before everything starts, Varys says, you know, now you also have... Uh, the Iron Islands, and you have the support from the new Prince of Dorne. Mm -hmm. uh, so the theory here is who he was actually sending the letter to, uh, because he says not only Targaryen left, the Targaryens were supported in Essos and in the south. Um, so the theory is, because it wouldn't go out to the Iron Islands, there's no reason for that. Because Yara is over there, and of course... You know, she's not going to send it to Westeros. That makes no sense. So Dorne is the theory here. Well, because... Dorne is in Westeros, by the way. Well, I Dorne mean, is one of the I'm seven sorry. kingdoms of Westeros. Not Westeros, King's Landing. <laughs> she's not going to send it to King's Landing or anywhere near Cersei's men is. Um, so here's the point. is The point is it wouldn't go to the Iron Islands because Yara already occupies it. And then the other place various mentions is Dorne. So it would go to the new Prince of Dorne because he was trying to make allies um, with Cersei without or without I'm sorry, with Danny without Danny really being, I want to say, included in that. So yeah, here's the thing. This is why I took I I agree with your overall point. I think it kinda went a convoluted way to get there. <laughs> but here's the thing. It it most likely was sent to Dorne because Right now, Yara has a close relationship with 
Daenerys. So obviously he's not going to try to attempt to persuade Yara to change sides to you know accept John as as the new you know king of the Seven Kingdoms. So just out of everything that's going to happen, it's not going to go to King's Landing. It wouldn't go to you know any of the other seven houses because obviously Sansa occupies Winterfell. He doesn't need to tell her. He already she already knows his lineage. Doesn't need to tell the the ear like you know the uh, eerie. Uh, the, the, you know, so that takes out of there. River Run, River Run would know too. So the only logical explanation is that it was sent to the Prince of Dorne because he's that was the whole the key of this is when it said the new Prince of Dorne. So he doesn't know any of these any either John nor Daenerys in person yet. All he knows is he opposes Cersei. So it makes sense to me that he would send that to the Prince of Dorne to try and persuade the Prince of Dorne to back and follow John as opposed to Daenerys with the information he now has as John is technically the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. Which, just on a quick side note, if this was 10 seasons, that would have been something that I would have liked to see is the support of the Prince of Dorne. Because there's just no... You don't see Yeah, they, they did Dorne kind of dirty <laughs> in this entire series. Like, we got a cool, you know, a couple episodes from Prince Oberyn, but after that, it really was like, you know... Nothing really big happened. You know, Jamie and Bronn snuck into, uh, what was it, uh, I think Sandstone? Is that the capital? I don't remember. Either way, they tried to yeah. rescue Marcel. We had a decent little duel there. But then, like, after that, like, it was all downhill. Like, like all After Alaria, yeah, it was it, done. Yeah, so the Sand Snakes got killed by Euron. And then, so it just, the Dorne was not done properly. We didn't get enough from Dorne. As, you know, especially since how they're the only civilization to hold off the dragon attacks like they should have had a better like they should have had a better and more inclusive um you know representation in the show and they did i mean keep in mind they're they're yeah they're they're really the only ones that are independent like i mean think about they're not independent they're they're in the seven kingdoms i mean they're in the seven kingdoms but think about all the times they really defied the targaryen lineage and you had Oberyn. Like, they're very known for warriors, and they're really just overlooked. I mean, Oberyn came from there. You had Alaria. You had the Sand Sisters. I mean, they really kind of were known as just their own little place. Like, even if you go back to Ares. Well, keep in mind. Even Ares was, like, kind of like, fuck them. Like, we had the Blackfire Rebellion and all this other stuff. Here's, but it just didn't. Here's the big thing about Dorne, though. I think that we were missing is that. Even when Prince Duran, he was talking about like, hey, we have to keep good relations with you know, you know, if, if the the king commands it, I will send Marcella back, and he said the king commands it, because so he they're underneath the Westerosi rule, and that was like I'm talking about when he sent her, uh, Marcella back with the stipulation that Tristane would be on the small council to take over in spot, so they recognized that they are ruled underneath. Um, at that time, it was King Tommen. But you know what I mean. So like they, yeah. like they are part of the Seven Kingdoms. Make no mistake about it. Like they are underneath the Cersei or whoever holds the Iron Islands rule. But um, I just don't think they get enough respect. They don't. They don't get. They don't get enough representation. They don't get. Like we didn't see anything cool outside of the nice, the cool like trial by combat from Oberyn in the mountain. Yeah. I mean, the reason I bring this up, you knew, everyone knows that listens to our show. I'm a massive Oberyn fan. He's my know. favorite character. He died in Besides season Dario. four, and we're still talking about him in <laughs> <Yeah>. season eight. <laughs> but, but, like, think about it. Like, he was a judge for Tywin. Like, they, like the Dornish are actually thought of a lot. They yeah, just no, they're one of the high over. houses. They're one of the high houses, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Um, but anyways, uh, after that, like, a little girl comes in. 
and Varys learns that Daenerys won't eat. And Varys tells the little girl, we will try again at supper. You know what I found out here? And like, I, I suspected this, but I think I've really solidified my point here. Varys was trying to poison Daenerys. Absolutely. Because why would he say we'll try again at supper? Try again to let her eat? What does that make? How does that make sense? He was trying to poison her because after that, you know, why else will the little girl think that Daenerys' soldiers are watching her? Why would she be nervous? If she's just giving her food, why would she be nervous that the soldiers are watching her? Which makes a really good point. Remember when you're seeing Danny for the first time, she's malnourished. Oh, her eyes like are like, like mine when I don't sleep. Like eyes are black, like no sleep. Like Like, she looks like, I mean, she's gorgeous, but I, I hate to say it. Amelia Clark, she's gorgeous, but here she looks like hell. But bro, she's been through hell. She's been through hell. <laughs> so, and then think of, here's the next part. And this is the next part to my argument that I'm going to make to why I believe Varys was trying to poison her. Why would he say, uh, and why would he ask Martha, what have I always told you? And she say back, the greater the risk, the greater the reward. What does that have to do with just giving someone food? She was trying to, po- they were trying to poison her and kill her. 100%. I've got no doubt in my mind that Varys was trying to poison her. I think you bring up a great point because honestly, I believe that now. I mean, and think about it. Like, here's the thing too. I think Danny is smart enough to know, which is why she didn't need anything. Maybe. I, I think, think it was more was like, cause, cause think about it. Anytime you're grieving. Cause remember when I brought that point about when the dragons first lost Viserion and how they weren't eating only 18 goats or whatever it was. And I was like, maybe they're grieving for their brother. Like anytime like you're grieving, anything, anytime a big traumatic experience happens in your life, you lose your appetite. So I don't think it's like she's out. She was smarter than that because she would have like probably confronted Varys about the treason before what ends up happening about that. I think she was in her grieving process. She didn't want to eat. Like the thought of food just didn't interest her. But because like it, it just ended up. Be, I think this is a good subplot. I truly believe that because like there's no point in saying all those extra lines if they're yeah. just trying to get her to eat. They're, they're, they were they were trying to, to poison come- her. I have to completely agree with you. It, it didn't really dawn on me until now. Ah, dawn, dawn, sort of dawn. That's in Sunspear. <laughs> anyway, Sunspear. That's what I, I missed. That not Sandstone. Yeah, Sunspear was what I was trying yeah. to say. Um, I have to completely agree with you because uh, take a shot. Completely. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, it, all her features and all of what she's going through actually just really boosts that entire idea from it. My argument to it would be, I think she wouldn't because what's to come up in a minute as far as who she believes. So, well, here's the thing, like like my, my biggest point, like it's not more about like who's outsmarting, who are, I think Daenerys truly isn't eating because she's grieving. But my biggest point here, and I want I wanted to make, is that I believe Varys is trying to poison her because there's no reason why he would say we will try again at supper, try to what again feed her, and then this girl's terrified that the soldiers are watching her. Why would they? Why would she be terrified that soldiers are watching her if she's just bringing food? And then on top of that too, what he says, what have I always told you? And she says, the greater the risk, the greater the reward. I so, think it's because she has lost everything though. She can't trust anybody. I'm yeah, I'm talking about Varys and the serving girl. I'm not talking about Daenerys right now. I mean, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to pull like 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 the reason why I believe like the poisoning is like I think it's something that people might overlook 
or maybe no. Da- I da- agree with you 100. So I think it's not poison. But yeah. yeah, I do believe that Danis, no, Dan- Daenerys wasn't eating. Daenerys. <laughs> wow, Daenerys, that would be yeah. a name. Uh, well, there's Darren, that. There's Danis. that. There's that uh, Bellator fighter, Dylan Danis. He's the one. Remember when? Remember Ooh, when? Big dirty. Remember when Khabib and Malice in the Chalice. Yeah, honestly, Malice in the Chalice, baby. Chalice. Yeah. When Khabib and McGregor fought, and there was a riot after that fight, the brawl. Khabib jumped over the fence, and and Dylan Dennis was uh, was uh, McGregor's jujitsu coach, and uh, Khabib and and Dylan Dennis were fighting in the crowds. Like it was like that's why they both got suspended for a very long time. But that's way out of out of what we're doing here. But yes, Dennis is a funny name. Yeah. But to Daenerys, <laughs> I believe that she had stopped eating because like she had nothing like that. Like eating wouldn't interest you after you just lost everything. She just was focused on one thing. Getting revenge and taking over the Iron, the Iron Throne. I mean, she's lost everyone. Not to mention everyone, but the one thing she's worked for the entire time is in jeopardy now. And her best friend is dead. Yeah, you know her. And her the children ch- are dead. And think about this. This isn't. This is something that maybe was overlooked too. The person she loves the most right now is her biggest threat to what, everything she's ever wanted. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. You know how sad, like how unconflicted you must be inside after all of that shit. And I'm la- I'm glad you said that because that transitions into what's about to happen. Yeah, yeah. Jon Snow he arrives at Dragonstone. He says the Northern armies are crossing the Trident. Will be at King's Landing in two days. And Varys tries to get on board with the idea of uh, he tries to get Jon on board with the idea of being the King of Westeros. And then here comes the two lines I always say. Jon always says, <laughs> "I don't want it." I never have, <laughs> and because and then Vera starts speaking again, and John interrupts him. She is my queen. So th- again, those are the only like two major lines he ever says. She is my queen, and I don't want it. Over and over and over again. Let's get John some fucking personality in season eight, please. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I do want to say this though. Varys is very clever in the. Oh, way he's, he's a snake trying. in the grass. He's bro. a snake. He starts speaking in riddles, and John even is saying, "You know, we're not much for riddles where I'm from." And Varys says, I'm worried for all of us. They say every time a Targaryen is born, the gods toss a coin and the world holds their breath. Basically what that means for all of our listeners, you know, like Aegon, he wasn't Ares II. Aegon actually was a great king from all the history. Like, he was a conqueror. Did he like destroyed Danny. everything just so he could be king? So I don't know if you Here's can... the thing, though. Do you ever hear about anyone rebelling on him? I don't think anyone had the balls to do it, dude. <laughs> Valerion was the largest dragon that ever lived. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, here's my point. Is he's trying to say basically targaryens yes. are wild cards exactly that's exactly what he's trying to say mm-hmm. he's like listen you've got a 50 50 chance at them being a good person or a complete fucking lunatic that's yeah. literally it and this is when it leads into your point he's he's kind of, he's such a snake right now like he's using his intellectual ability Bro, can we count this out screw them over i don't want i know i keep interrupting you here i no, just i want to do this real quick let's count out all the kings that Varys has gone through, right? He's gone through Eris, he's gone through Robert Baratheon, Joffrey, Tommen, and then after that, Daenerys. Now he was going he wants to go with John. Dude, this guy's this guy is going through he six other fuckers, both sides, man. man. Dude, like he want like he's he always, always says he always says he wants to serve the realm. But man, he's got no loyalty. Like who would ever <laughs> trust him in any situation, he, bro? 
God, he's so intellectual there. Remember we were talking yes, about how he's is. made the master of whispers. Even um And he's remember, had a hard story like coming up as a as a child, yes. everything that's happened. Remember Robert, right? Robert actually pardoned him yes. because he was so smart with Aries. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone's conflicted when he speaks his side, but Varys says here and tells John Men decide what power resides, whether or not they know it. I still don't know how her coin has landed, but I'm quite certain about yours. And he's pressing John. Yeah. He's not giving John a choice. He's like, he's using his snake abilities. Like, listen, motherfucker. His manipulative, yeah, he's being very manipulative right now. He's almost being more towards Peter Baelish right now than himself, trying to make, like, trying to undermine what's going on. Like, he wants to cause an uprising and have John be the new person that's represented as the true heir of the Iron Throne. Because keep in mind, one thing that we didn't mention was like uh, last episode that we did last week um, when Tyrion and, and Varys were talking about. He's like, the, a cock's not important. He's like, he's the true one son. A cock is important. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. being like you know the male heir, like the true male heir to the throne, especially back then in that time, that is something that made a huge difference. So. He's trying to he's trying to pull all these things and throw it in John's face. Like, listen, like these are the these are the statistics, and you fit the bill, man. Like, like you like we you could get the people behind you if you wanted to. And then John's like, ah, I don't want it. She's my queen. <laughs> she's my <laughs> she's my queen. Uh, and here's the thing, though. I do want to say this one quote because it backs up what you said mm-hmm. about how you went through so many kings. Mm-hmm. He says, "I have known more kings and queens than any men living." I've heard what they say to crowds and seen what they do in the shadows. I've furthered their designs, however horrible. But what I tell you now is true. You will rule wisely and you will why she. And he stops because John interrupts him. And it, it goes exactly to what you're saying. He has so much experience. But he's almost like he's not a loyal guy at all. No, he's not. He, he thinks... That's that's a problem. It's like he says he serves the realm, but what gives him the jurisdiction to decide what's right and what's wrong all by himself? Like, oh, it's only what you say, Varys. It's only the ideals that you hold that's gonna be like the deciding thing. Like, no. Like at the end of the day, you have your own sort of weird god complex too, man. And like, I, I think that's exactly what leads leads to his undoing because you know as we slide into this now, Tyrion, you know, he goes to Daenerys, and he says, you know, there's something that you need to know. And she, you know, props to her, already had an idea. She's like, someone betrayed me. I and think that goes to my point. Like, I think someone, I think she knew. I think she had some sort of insight. And I say the only difference between Varys and Peter Baelish is he didn't use his intellectuality to be a snake to move up the chain. Right, exactly. He didn't do anything out of personal gain. Mm-hmm. Like, Varys never gained anything personally from this. Yeah. Right? But... Yeah, so he, she's the, uh, she says, someone has betrayed me. And Tyrion replies, yes. And Daenerys immediately goes to Jon Snow. And Tyrion says, Varys. <laughs> yeah. I think she knew it wasn't Jon Snow, though. I don't know. But, I think she like, knows she, Jon is not that person. But here's the important thing to it, though, because then she starts making a case on why it's still Jon Snow's fault, which I'm sure you have the quotes there, so... 
Because like you I know, just cause like because he, 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 he she talks about how Tyrion told Varys and Tyrion learned from Sansa and Sansa learned from John. So meaning John is the one who ultimately betrayed her because John. Remember she told John in no uncertain terms, "I told you how we can all have what we used to have by swearing you to fucking silence and you don't say a word to nobody." Like, but when you love someone, you feel like you know that person. I feel like she at least had some sense that it wasn't him. She was throwing the name John out there to get Tyrion to confess who it was. Dude, but what I just say, like he, she literally went through the fact that at the end of the day, she still blamed John for going against her wishes in the first place by telling Sansa. So she still believes John is the one that ultimately betrayed her because if she, if, like in her head, if John never told Sansa, Tyrion doesn't know. If Tyrion doesn't know, Varys doesn't know. If Varys doesn't know, he doesn't betray her. Okay, I. I... I just want to say, I mean, I think she had at least some trust in John. Oh, she she did. You know, I mean, I understand she's broken at this point, but she only loved two people, and the other mm-hmm. one was someone taller. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love how you other yeah. you did there. But I do uh, want to say what happened. Um, Tyrion goes, <clears throat> you know, she says Sansa, like you were saying, like Sansa told. Uh, Tyrion and he goes I'm glad Sansa told me I need to be aware of any threats you're facing Danny it varies the master whispers needs to be aware too you spoke to him first without coming to me without asking my permission it was a mistake why do you think Sansa told you what do you think hope to gain she trusts me she trusts you she trusted you'd spread secrets that could destroy your own queen, and you did not let her down. Tyrion, if I have failed you, my queen, forgive me. Our intentions were good. And then, then just to stop you right there, guys, this is like, like I can't even count. This isn't like the unnum- numerous times that Tyrion has let her down in some way, shape, or form. Like, Tyrion's been fucking up his job as Hand of the Do you have any trust for Tyrion? Like, I he's completely screwed he's been up. Screwed, he's screwed up, like, almost every chance he's got. Like, as a really good hand, why would you not at least come to her and be like, hey, we, we need to talk about this? We need yeah. to discuss, like, I, I, like, Varys come to him, Which like, so I don't want Varys getting in trouble, but we need to talk about this, he told me in confidence, why would you not say Which that? Which is so weird, because I've talked about this before, when we started this series, Tyrion was a great Hand of the King, when Tywin gave him the order, and he was trying to advise Joffrey and, and bring peace to King's Landing, he was fantastic, did his job very, very well. Then I try to give him a pass in Essos, because they're not the same type of people, you know, like, they've got different culture maybe he didn't understand it so he didn't do such a great job there just because of like the dynamic but then like the excuses ran out for him when they came back to westeros and all of a sudden he's fucking up left and right any plan he's had has been thwarted like he's he's been predictable to everyone else like he's been screwing danny over like on accident trying to making a mistake by talking about you know john's lineage severus behind her back not that he was trying to like undermine her but like he's been making mistake after mistake after mistake and at some, a certain point in time, the excuses run out for like, him. Like, get out of here. Here's uh, here's where I lost it for him. I lost my respect for him as Hand the minute he didn't go to Danny. Because as a vice president, or as you know, someone that is Hand of the Queen or Hand of the King, 
you would expect that person to be loyal to the person you fought for this entire time. At least talk to them about it. It's almost like going up to a boss where someone confesses something to you. Do you think that boss is going to go talk to the next kid next to you or the next employee that's under him? No, he's going to be like, listen, like, you know, like, you spread this. Like, I'm not, I can't just keep this between me and you. Like, this has to go somewhere. Do you see what I'm saying? But Tyrion goes... If I have failed you, Queen, forgive me. Our intentions were good. We wanted what you want. A better world. All of us. Varies as much as anyone, but it doesn't matter now. Danny, no, it doesn't matter now. And, I mean, that's where you're seeing this is a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I even put down here, like I said, Danny looks rough with the dark circles under her eyes. But she uh, looks. I feel yeah. so bad for her, though. Like honestly, my heart breaks. And yeah, she went through a lot in a short amount of time. So eating and sleeping probably wasn't high on her priority list. She wanted to get back at the people who took everything away from her. Can so, you blame Danny? Not at all. Like at this point, if it's you personally, wouldn't you cast all emotions aside mm-hmm. and say, "Screw it." I'm about to take what's mine, and they're gonna get what they deserve. Uh, to a point, like I would definitely like, either, like there's there's no chance Cersei lives. Like in my mind, like listen, yeah. like maybe I can take the like King's Landing without harming innocents, but Cersei's dead for sure. Yeah, like you know maybe like that. There is no negotiating but, anymore. But uh, anyways, you know it, it kind of comes back to you know Varys finishing that letter, but then footsteps approach, so he burns the letter. <laughs> And removes his rings. What were the points of removing his rings? <laughs> He's my, a snake. Well, here's my thing: is like, was the poison in the rings? I think he was wanting to burn his valuables. So I don't know because I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, who's gonna sell them though? Or he, that he, he can't he knew, be. He knew what was gonna happen because think about it. What happened? Like, where was the poison for Joffrey in the necklace? that the guy gave him so maybe the poison was in the rings for him that's a very good point or that maybe like his name couldn't be spread around based on the symbolism on his rings like uh, that's an i don't know that's a very good point though could be that you say but you said the poison was because they're trying to poison her with food yeah i mean who knows like maybe like that's where he, he stores the poison is in maybe one of the rocks in the rings and like puts one in there. who knows i mean I, i'm knows? not saying i'm not i'm not trying to fight on i'm not trying to die on the hill of saying that poison was definitely in the rings i will go to bat and say i definitely think they were trying to poison her i don't know about the rings though it's the only logical explanation in my mind as to why they made a point to have him remove his rings in the first place i think it was more of i'm gonna burn my valuables because i don't want my name but the thing is it's just i'll tell you what right now because think about it it was only a fire from the flame of a candle a candle flame is not going to burn a solid metal ring he put the things he put the rings in there and closed it so it was more like he was trying to hide the rings more than anything i mean i see your point i just think if you you have a metal if you have a metal uh, a metal ring right now if you've got a candle i'll put that damn ring over the candle that thing is not going to burn but how the hell are you going to hide it in a ring how do they hide the poison in the necklace well a necklace at least it had like those big rocks you know know how rings have some sort of like like the lot so small I mean, like, like we're talking about like the ones I that have like, the be. gemstones. I mean, I'm not like I said, I'm not could trying to be. die. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying your... to die on the hill of that. Like, I'm just saying it's a possibility. I just don't understand why they made it a point to show I, him removing the rings. I think it was kind of like, okay, have you ever seen um, what's that movie with Gerard Butler, Law Abiding Citizen? Remember when a couple times. Uh, he movie. takes all his clothes off so he can't be accused of like being 
um, like they can't have any evidence. I think it was kind of like what's that. what's the evidence of the ring though? The poison? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. I <laughs> like you know, like like what like what like he just wears the rings. Where the rings gonna be? Like, he's already on trial for it. Like what, what are the rings gonna do? Keep the fucking rings on at that point. You know who knows? I'm not yeah, saying I'm right. I'm not saying point. I'm wrong. No, I I, just, I think it's a plausible explanation. It's just because you know, like the, the he put it in the the pot with the fire. Like the rings on themselves aren't gonna burn. Mm-hmm. But anyways, you know we, we we go off on the rings on a big <laughs> tangent there. But at the end of the day, Greyrum and the Unsullied enter. They take Varys into custody, and he is taken before Daenerys. And what I think is really really cool right here, I have a lot of respect for Tyrion for doing this. Tyrion walks up to Lord Varys, not Lord Varys, Varys. They always call him Lord Varys, and like that's funny because he mentioned it a long time ago. Like people always call me Lord, and I'm not a Lord, but yet they say it anyways. But anyways, Tyrion walks up to Varys, and he tells him straight up, man to man, eye to eye, it was me. I'm the one that gave you up. And then do you have what Varys replied? Yeah, Varys looks at him, and you can tell they both have a lot of respect to each other. Mutual they were respect best for friends, sure. They're brothers. They're best friends. Yep. Um, and he says. I hope I deserved it. I truly do. I hope I'm wrong. Goodbye, old friend. Yep. That's exactly what I have. I hope I deserve this. I truly do. I hope I'm wrong. Goodbye, old friend. And Daenerys sentences him to death. And Drogon burns him alive. Fulfilling, number one, two things here. This fulfills Daenerys' promise. Because remember when Dan- Daenerys said, if you ever betray me, I will burn you. And I swear I said, swear this to me, Varys. If you ever think I'm feeling the people, you look me in the eye like you did today, and you'll you'll tell me how I'm feeling them. And Varys says, I swear it. And then she replies, and I swear this. If you ever betray me, I'll burn you alive. Well, boom, bitch. She just burned you alive because you betrayed her. So that fulfilled her promise, number one. Number two, it fulfilled Masande, uh, Melisand- I'm sorry, Melisandre's prophecy of when... She said, I still have to die in this strange country just like you when she said it to Varys. That fulfills two fucking prophecies in one. Yeah, man. Let's describe this scene, by the way. Yeah, you go. Yeah, you want. Yeah, I know you're a big dragon guy. Do your thing, bro. <laughs> this is all you, my man. <laughs> not burning it up. They're about to burn him up. <laughs> burn it up <laughs> yeah, is the place to be. Yeah. Um, but this scene was visually gorgeous. Was it, though? Because, like, it was so dark you could it barely see it. It was dark. I gotta say, I, I, I think this is. Something I wouldn't say visually stunning. Yeah, I would. I would say like describe Drogon though. As yeah. far as Drogon, I swear Drogon was fucking real. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, the teeth were jagged. The teeth didn't even line up right. Drogon kind of emerges from over the head of Danny out of the shadows, mm-hmm. um, and then she says one of my favorite lines. She looks at Varys, stands over him. You know she got has just like in the Funko Pop she has you know the black with kind of the vampire you know red collar uh, with her arms crossed and it says Lord Varys I Daenerys house of Targaryen first of my name breaker of chains and mother of dragons sentence you to die and she's almost dead silent because it's, it's she can't like believe it, she it. says it ma- no it's not that she's mad it's matter of factly she doesn't care like she says it matter of factly then she did what did she say after she's like Dracaris. yeah just as as if she's talking about the weather bro that she like said that without like a hiccup like not sad no emo- there was no emotion to what she was saying at all done. no emotion like almost like, like i'm done with you yep that's like exactly. get the fuck out of here 100 percent, bro 100 percent. so uh here we go now, and then that's when Drogon opens his big black 
pitch mouth as wide as the earth <laughs> and with his jagged teeth breeds over various with his elongated tongue and shoots out the blast of fire in, in instantaneous instant incineration it was almost like you know um when you know if you lose someone like in real life and they want to be cremated it was like an instant cremation instant i so. actually put here i said lord Varus, master of whispers whispers no more like that that was a beautiful ending to that it's good shit gone very poetic remember when cersei was like i could have had (laughs) could have had him crush your skull like oberon's that would have been poetic but too fast (laughs) yeah 100 percent, man so now we we go into uh you know daenerys's like room where she's i guess her quarters or her chambers and she gives gray worm missandei's broken collar she like he she tells him this is the only thing the only item only personal item that she brought with her from Essos. And Grey Worm, you would expect him to like keep it with him for always. He grabs it, and what's he do? Throws it in the fire. Throws in the fucking fire. In Which is a cool symbolism because it's like she like you know, like no, she's not a slave anymore. She's free. Yeah. She's free, free now. And Grey Worm's broken. Uh, Grey Worm's done. Grey Worm Grey Worm in my he's opinion, ba- he's back has to no he's soul. back to the unsullied. Doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Doesn't give a fuck. Excuse my he's language. Ready, he's ready to fucking Whatever kill. is in my way, I will yep. kill. I will take what is mine. I will fight no. for you, and then I'm no, done. Nothing's his. And he's not going to take what is his, but he's going to get his vengeance. No, literally, <laughs> like, it's 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 like this, though. Like, I'm going to kill just to kill at this point. Because I have no soul. I have no motive. I'm going to fight for my queen just to get and vengeance this, for her. And this brings up to my point later on why I think Daenerys and Grey Worm had a secret pact that they didn't that we didn't get to see. And I'll 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 defend that point later on. But anyways, John ends up coming in and and you know, Daenerys dismisses Grey Worm and you know, I know they had some words back and forth, but this is the main quote that really resonated with me. Daenerys tells John, "Far more people in Westeros love you." than love me I don't have love here I only have fear I think that was I know they had some words back and forth but that was the main main quote because what ends up happening after this well first off before what ends up happening John's back on his you will always be my queen bullshit I had to put that down I, is again. that his only uh, line dude, you, you're my queen I don't want it those are his two fucking lines bro like that's his like scapegoat line like someone bitches you out blah, 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 let me just admit defeat cause I'm a bitch yeah 100% so then she actually asked John at that point she goes is that all I am to you your queen as she starts kissing him and she tries to get busy again but then she can tell John's not into it again, just like it was after the fucking uh, I, the the last of the Starks. After that, I don't even think it was like, oh, I'm hot and ready to go. I think it was more like, I think it was a test. I think it was like that hate fuck moment, like you know, when, like you can't stand somebody. But uh, it's I don't like, think she had any hatred towards John. So at that point, but like you're you're like you're just overcome with fear and sadness and distraught so you're ready to get your stress out yeah it was more yeah more like maybe a stress relief or like hey maybe i can find one good moment and all the bad things that happen but then you know john wasn't into it and so what she does she stops looks at him and says all right then let it be fear oh man that was some dirty dirty 
Dude, I was some. Dirty, I would have never told that to a girl. That's uh, you so. can think of other ways to say things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Tyrion at that point, you know, he goes in there. He's he's pleading with Daenerys. This is this is back into like uh, um, in, in like the big hall room there. He's pleading with Daenerys not to burn the city, but she's ready to rock and roll. Like she's ready to burn that motherfucker down, man. Have you guys ever watched uh, Harold and Kumar White Castle? I mean, he's like, let's burn this motherfucker down, mm. Pookie. Let's burn this motherfucker this down. Motherfucker down. So, anyway, so Tyrion tells her, he's like, the people will turn on Cersei if they know the war is lost. Give them that chance. If the city surrenders, they will ring the bells and raise the gates. Please, if you hear them ringing the bells, call off the attack. And you know what? She pauses for a minute. She does pause for a minute. And then what does she do? Nods her head in agreement. Doesn't even say a word. So she sends Grey Worm to join the rest of the armies. And he, she tells Grey Worm this. Wait for me outside the city. You'll know when it's time. Dude, and I want to... You, you want something you want to put in there? What I was going to say is think of Thanos from Marvel. Because that's basically what she's starting to become at this point. Thanos wasn't exactly just some dick, some asshole that wanted uh, to kill him. I, I disagree with you a lot. Hear on, me not, out. Not on the fact that he wasn't a dick. I agree that he had, but I don't see the correlation between these two. I just don't, but go try to try to convince me. Here's the motive. Because what she's saying, because I have a quote here, even too. She says, In Marine, the slaves turned on their masters and liberated the cities themselves the moment I arrived. What she's wanting to do is the people that oppose her, that don't agree with her way, she wants to get rid of. That's exactly what Thanos was that's, wanting. That's not true at all. Thanos wanted to split the world in half and say half lives and half dies, so that way there's resources for everybody, so that way the worlds can prosper. That's 100% true. I don't even try to argue me on that one. But here's like, the problem. Thanos had no issue with people who opposed him. Like he 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 wanted to like he, like that's remember when the the Hulk like he he didn't kill the Hulk he didn't kill anyone he ended up killing yeah but who's like, to say that half Thanos didn't agree with what who's to say the half Thanos killed yeah uh, he it disagreed was, it was with. all it was all I mean dude everyone disagreed with him fucking Thor lived he disagreed with Thanos fucking Iron Man lived he disagreed with Thanos okay like, so dude, he spares like, half. it wasn't okay. he, but I'm saying like he snapped his fingers and like it was it was almost a complete random it doesn't matter only half the people are gonna live because it was like you know it's, it's, here's my point is Thanos at least like same like her was liberating people. Like, he wasn't just going to kill all of them. She was the exact same. She was saying, the people that are there but aren't just going to agree with me. The motives are completely different. Thanos didn't want to be king of the fucking world. He wanted the worlds to thrive because overpopulation, there's homeless people on the streets who don't have enough. Like, he wanted to make it, like, a thriving community. He didn't want to rule over it. Daenerys only wanted to be the queen of the Iron of the Iron Throne and rule over Westeros. That's all she wanted. She didn't give a fuck about anything else. Except for the people that didn't agree with her. But, I mean, the, even the people... So that, you kill them off, which is fucking half. Like, and again, no. That's the fucking half. problem. It's you see half. my point. No, I don't see your point. I really don't here. Because Thanos was... 
straight up, he he ended. He didn't have any rhyme or reason to who lived and who died, as long as half the population was alive and half the population was gone to bring back. You know, so that way everyone thrives. Daenerys only wanted to take the Iron Throne. That's all she wanted. She didn't want to kill the people of the king, uh, people of King's Landing. She ended up doing but it. But here's my point. Go ahead. Thanos decided he had to do that because it was necessary. Mm -hmm. That's the exact same with Daenerys. Daenerys, She's tried every option. Daenerys didn't blow. I mean, don't want to foreshadow a lot yet because we're going to get there. Yeah, she has no option. But she didn't. She absolutely had an option. They all laid down their arms and rang the bell. Sorry for fucking ruining this. That's something else. I'm saying the four times before this shit. Like, she's tried every option Tyrion's way. She's kind of like Thanos at this point because Thanos people forget and i read a shitload of comic books thanos wasn't just an asshole always but, like he had previous experience which led him to killing 50 50 but thanos didn't like ha- like have any motive behind it he just wanted like i said like that's my biggest thing like, because he feels like had only 50 could prosper that's what i'm saying but that's not dan like that's what i'm saying you can't correlate them because what their their, their motives are completely different Fine. Well, I would compare her. I don't know who I'd compare her to. She's her own. She's her own beast, man. That's why I'll be like, you know, the closest I can compare to is Thanos. If you don't think of him as evil, because he always think of all the wars Thanos had been through. That's the reason he thought the reason you had to have fifty fifty was because if you left a hundred percent you're always gonna have that war you're gonna have you're gonna have the haves and have nots and he wanted everyone to that's the problem but that's not what daenerys wanted that their motives are completely different but that's that's not i'm not saying they wanted the same thing i'm saying they both tried every option I'm saying, I mean, maybe what option? What, what other? I'm gonna say, what other option did they try? <laughs> okay, I guess Thanos didn't, didn't try another option. Yeah. yeah, but my point is, man, I guess you're right. Fuck. <laughs> Here's the problem, though. Is well, no, Thanos were was in other wars. He wasn't just always mm-hmm. a complete dick. No, I, dude, I'm not. I'm not threatened. I'm not saying that Thanos wasn't always a bad guy. I'm saying that the movie's completely different, and you can't compare the two because what each one wanted is completely different from what the other one wanted. I'm just saying they both tried multiple options until they got to that point. What options else did Thanos try? I mean, he conquered planets. He tried to negotiate with the planets. <laughs> he didn't try to negotiate the planets. He said, no, your plan's going to go half. Your plan's going to go half. Your plan's well, going to go half. Well, here's the difference. Well, he didn't even go to half on some of them. On he Asgard? He just, well, off. because Asgard, you know, they tried to fight against him. They did the best they could, but there was a lot of still survivors <laughs> on Asgard. There were some he just fucking but. blew up and took over. But here's my point, is they both got to the point they tried all options. I don't think they that, could, though. They I disagree, because I don't think Thanos tried all options. I think Thanos is like, hey, I don't this think, is what it's going to do. I think Thanos is that bad of a guy, honestly. No, he had he had, he had <laughs> idealistic views. It's just his way about going about it was very callous and like didn't care about the lives of others and how it was affected, like, you know, families. And I stuff, do love so. this one quote, by the way, which we're a little off topic. Remember he said... <laughs> I'm going to shred this world down to its very last atom. And what I'm going to do here, I'm going to tear down your annoying planet. And I'm going to enjoy it. (laughs) How (laughs) fucked up is that? Yeah. But let's get back into this this (laughs) here. back Um, to this. So, anyways, Danny tells Tyrion that they caught Jaime trying to return to King's Landing. And tells Tyrion, the next time you fail me will be the last time you fail me. So now we got Jamie back in there trying to get back to Cersei. Good thing he got caught. Fuck him for ruining his whole character arc. Fuck the writers for that shit. But 
Um, so now they know that. So now they know they. Tyrion's failed once again because they. they you can trust my brother. I, I he he pleaded for them. You know, and, and to his credit, Jamie did fight for Westeros in the Long Night. But now he's trying to return back to Cersei, and then they caught him in there. So to Daenerys, it looks like, man, Tyrion, everything you've ever told me doesn't pan out the way you told me. You're pretty fucking useless as the hand of the queen if you, you keep, keep failing me every time I turn around. So, yeah, uh, I, did you did you get that too? Oh yeah, I mean. My biggest thing I took away from this is like I don't know why she gives him another damn chance. Yeah, if I, you I were feel my that. employee, you would have been gone a long time ago. Like if I anything, here's the thing: like people start to kind of dislike Danny as she goes through this kind of arc of this episode. Mm-hmm. I kind of completely agree with Danny, not for what happens very foreshadowing, but how can you sit here and keep trusting Tyrion? He's failed on every aspect. He's failed yeah, every the test. There has been... Listen. And he's about to fail again. If you break this into four quarters, he's failed every major test in the four four quarters. Yeah. You know, outside of being the hand of the king for Joffrey. And then you start wondering, because all his advice is to saving some sort of aspect of the Lannisters. Like, it's all against her. Yeah. I would I would say he still stuck for her because you know he told her about Varys. He could have very much well if he was against her, he could have conspired with Varys and not told her anyone betrayed her and like you know supported Jon Snow in the background. Right. So it's just like it's just he keeps making common sense dumb mistakes. But anyway, but you can't be in a position. Like you're right. That. I agree with you. I think I, I would have let him go too at that point. Yeah. But um, anyways, t- at this point, what I have is Tyrion approaches Sir Davos. And he asks him for a favor involving smuggling. He tells Davos, he's like, you're the world's greatest smuggler, aren't you? He's like, I, I, Sir Davos, I need a favor from you. He's like, you, you are the world's best smuggler, right? And Sir Davos looks back at him. He said, I'm not going to like this favor, am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, I thought that was pretty funny. The next thing I have after that is like Arya and the Hound, the sentrymen <laughs> stopping them. Right? Where are you going? <laughs> yeah, right? Arya tells him that she's going to go kill Queen Cersei. And do you have like the monologue back and forth for the hell? Yeah, yeah t- take it because I, I didn't write it down, but I still think it's funny because I remember watching that again. Like, go ahead, go for it, bro. So, oh, one second. Ah, this is such course. a fun episode to break down. Oh, it's ah, I'm so excited. Of course, I didn't write it down, but I have it memorized because <laughs> yeah, I knew it very well. Uh, so you, the officer goes. I have to talk to my ranking officer before I let you through. And the hound just looks at him after Arya says, I'm going to kill the queen. And the hound stares at him and goes, go talk to him then. And they just walk straight past him. Well, there was also things like, well, think about it. If she kills a queen, you might actually live tomorrow. That, <laughs> yeah. that, you forgot about that, but like, I yeah. didn't know if you had that or not. And like that's off the top of my head. I didn't have that written down, but it was something similar to that. There was so much to break down yeah. in this episode. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so, so hard. And exactly, that wasn't a like, big key to the plot line. It's just something funny. Yeah. And usually you do have all crazy quotes out of nowhere written. <laughs> that's why we take three hours on an episode. Owls, Owls <laughs> But, um, yeah, then like she goes, go, they go to find the officer, and they just walk through like nothing, right? Um, now... The next thing I have is Tyrion going to see Jamie, right? Want to know a big issue I have here? Tyrion starts speaking to the Unsullied in his best Valyrian that he can. What? Oh, no, yeah, Tyrion. No. I'm thinking Jamie for a minute. Yeah. Tyrion's trying to convince the Unsullied to let him speak to Jamie. Mm-hmm. That's not my problem. My problem is the Unsullied says, we speak the common tongue. 
Since fucking when? Since fucking when? Since fucking when? Well, Bro, you guys were slaves in Valyria. Not in Valyria, I'm sorry. You guys were Dorn. slaves in... Dorn. No, no not, not Dorn. They were slaves in, um, what's it called? Uh, Yunkai. You guys were Yunkai. slaves in Yunkai. Yunkai. They do not speak the common tongue in Yunkai. Krasnus, the person that uh, Danny got the insult from... Krasnus Like, the, the person that they got, like, the, the Krasnus from there... He speaks Valyrian only. Do you think they had the time to teach Unsullied the common tongue? Absolutely not. Why do you think Danny <laughs> only addressed the Unsullied in Valyria? Dude, when the fuck did these Unsullied learn the common tongue? I mean, Grey Worm. I guess he could have told but them. But Masande was teaching them him teaching one on one. Grey Worm. You think well, you think Grey Worm had enough time between Patrol and Marine with the Sons of the Harvey? Like, hey guys, let's do a lesson. <laughs> let's do a lesson real quick. I am good. Can you say that, dude? Now fuck he's that, like bro. He's like teaching lessons as he's in prison. No, which is really funny because remember dude, that in, shit bugged the fuck out. of I want to say something about the books because remember in original Game of Thrones, it's kind of like that Tarzan and Jane. Remember, <laughs> Danny was teaching. Uh, Drogo, Drogo yes. like how to speak, like what the yes. fuck are they thinking? Like fucking Danny taught Grey Worm, and then Grey Worm taught Masande. Well, no, no, yeah, Masande taught Grey because Masande speaks nineteen languages. Remember, Masande was the translator for Krasnus, so we knew Masande spoke the common tongue. Masande was twelve. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with Masande because she spoke nineteen languages, and she and she translated originally for Daenerys to Krasnus, even though mm-hmm. she could have. She tricked been him. A class, like she, the beggar queen you are. She, <laughs> yeah, like. She tricked Krasnus, right? So, my issue is, Missande taught Grey Worm. Grey Worm wasn't skilled enough in the common tongue to teach the rest of the Unsullied. Where did the rest of the Unsullied learn how to speak the common tongue? <laughs> you got a great point. Fucking plot hole, dude. Out. That's bullshit. Absolutely. That's Unless bull- you that's can bullshit. really exaggerate that they were Grey Worm was teaching classes on the side. In what time? Like he, a he's jail. Got, he's got, <laughs> dude, think about this, where his timeline went through. Like a jail. Defend, defending uh, Daenerys against the Sons of the Harpy, like sailing across the sea. You can't have all the Unsullied on one fucking boat. You got to teach all of them. You can't teach all of them on the boat to the fucking Dragonstone. Then Dragonstone happens. They've got to go fucking fight the the White Walkers. And the there's no timeline where Grey Room's like, "Hey guys, let me write on this chalkboard. Like, I'm gonna translate <laughs> Valyria to common tongue for you." So, bro, uh, I don't. That, Grey Room's that, a teacher that on the side. Bugged the, bugged the fuck out of me. He man. got an education. But do you degree. see why I'm upset? Like, oh, that, I'd be pissed. Dude, I, I'm upset by this because like that's a huge problem. I mean, and like you're like basically spitting on your viewers at that point. Like, like really, like you think we're that dumb that oh we speak the common tongue? Oh, really? Since fucking when? <laughs> it's like it progresses. Think about this. It's like it goes from <laughs> two to four legs. You leave a Starbucks cup on the fucking countertop. Water bottle in the final scene. Water bottle in the final scene. And then you got fucking common tongue. Like, are you not Unsu- watching? The- yeah. I understand you got a lot of shit to do. Yeah. But, like, why don't you review this shit? Dude, that made me so mad. Anyways, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'll get past that and say... Like, like, uh, I don't get it either. I completely agree 100%. That's yeah. fucking stupid. He goes in there, and he goes into the tent. He talks to Jamie. I know you probably got some good quotes between him and Jamie. I try not to have a dirty mouth, but damn, dude. Bro, like, we what we the swear fu- every single oh, fucking episode. Time. That's why we have an explicit content. <laughs> yeah, we have, to, we have to disclose You know that content. was so funny? Remember we like almost tried to not swear on the show? And, like, Impossible. Oh, literally, first episode, we're like, fuck. I'm like, well, there goes explicit content. Oh, it goes content. that. Explicit yeah. content. <laughs> Uh, here's the thing, though, man. Is it's it's just annoying. Like, why does a show that was this great for so long, 
and you have this many people working on it, they just completely miss fucking detail. Do they not? Here's the problem. We're not even part of the cast. We're not even part of the cast. We're not part of the backstage crew. We're not part of the front stage crew. We're not part of the directors. We're not part of the writers. Even my girlfriend picked up on the four-leg shit. And us over here, we're picking up on the fucking speak the common tongue, picking up on the Starbucks shit, picking up on all these little plot holes. Like, you're a director. You wrote the damn script. There is a problem with this. And I'm not saying I didn't like season eight because I did like season eight. This was, I don't, didn't. <laughs> here's, here's the issue, though. Compared to any show, this was better than any average show. This was better than any other show. You can't argue with that. My issue is, like, did they just get in such a rush, which I can't even argue with because they took a year and a half off? Like, what is the problem here with why they're missing details? The biggest thing my dad always told me working in math class in college and through high school was the devil's in the details. Why are you missing these things? It's like, like I said, it's like a slap in the face to the viewers who watch this, like, like, continuously and thoroughly, and like, dude, we need an explanation, and we just never got it. And you know, when we go into our summary episode, I've got a bunch of stuff I'm going to talk about. They never answered, but anyways, like, I don't want to get too far off topic. Let's get back in this, man. So, do you have a couple? Oh, you know what? I want you to go through the monologue before you do that. I always like to bring my full circle moments in real quick. Because they've got a lot of they've got a lot of great dialogue Jamie and Tyrion do here while Jamie's the prisoner. Because guess what? Two things come into full circle. Jamie back as a prisoner, like he was in Rob Stark's camp. <laughs> Number two, Tyrion helps him escape, which is a full circle because Jamie helped Tyrion escape from the after Oberyn, your boy, lost the trial by combat. So another full circle, like now he's repaying that favor. Like what comes around goes around. Tyrion is now helping Jamie escape from imprisonment. So I want you to go through some of the great dialogue that they had because I didn't write it down because I didn't think it's super important. But I do know you like to talk about some of those. I things. love how Josh just assumes I have this shit. Am I wrong? I mean, I definitely do. All right, <laughs> but that's my thing because like, like, like we always talk about you. We complement like, each other. Yeah, that's my thing. Like, when, what I like to talk about mostly is focus on the details that are important to the plot line. A lot of the the, the quotes here between Jamie and Tyrion aren't terribly important to the plot line, but they are still sentimental and they are cool. So I figured that that uh, Chase would have a lot of this written down. So ta- tackle him with <laughs> Chase some of Chase has that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just fucking with it. But no, uh, and, and, you know, Tyrion arrives and, and Tyrion first describes, he says, how'd you get caught, first of all? And, and Jamie holds up his hand <laughs> and he says, you know, Cersei once called me the stupidest Lannister. And that's when they kind of start going back and forth. And Tyrion is trying to convince him uh, to go back to Cersei to escape down to the bottom of the Red Keep out of the tunnels. And Tyrion says, try. If not for yourself, if not for her, then for every one of the million people in the city, innocent or otherwise, because innocent people are going to wind up dying if the city burns. To be honest, I never really cared much for them. going to show you know jamie's loyalty there you are going back to her to die with her you underestimated her before she's going to die unless you convince her to change her course of action 
when have I ever been able to convince Cersei of anything? Try. If not for yourself, if not for her, then for every one of the million people in that city, innocent or otherwise. What's funny is I just read Yeah, so you said that line you know already, man. Yeah. yeah. But Tyrion goes, Do you care for the innocent? I know you do. And so does Cersei. She has a reason now. Jamie, the child is the reason she'll never give an inch. All the worst things she's ever done, she's done for her children. It's not impossible that she'll win. She won't. Her enemy's forces have been depleted, as she said, and they would be. Two of the twice dragons are dead, and she's even the odds. The city will fall tomorrow. She has the Lannister army. She has the Golden Company. I defended the city. Last time it was attacked, I know it better than anyone. It will fall tomorrow. Then I suppose I'll die tomorrow, if not before. Escape. The two of you. Together, remember where we met. Where we keep the dragon skulls beneath the Red Keep. Take her down there. Keep following the stairways down. Down far as they'll go, you'll come out onto a, a beach on the foot of the keep. We'll be waiting for you. Sail out to the bay out of the winds of the... If the winds are kind, you'll make it all the way to Pentos. Start a new life. Jamie, sail right past the Iron Fleet into a new life. Sounds a lot less likely than Cersei winning the war. Tyrion, there won't be an Iron Fleet for much longer. Do it. If you don't, you will never see Cersei again. Swear to me. Jamie pauses because this is the moment when he realizes he goes back to everything he's always done. You have my word. And he plans on going back to Cersei. And Tyrion says, if it works, give the order. Uh, and, you know, he, he was telling... The order was to ring the bells. To ring the bells. And he says, give the order to ring all the bells, the king's landing, and appear the gates. Raise the gates. Raise the gates. That'll be over the city that has surrendered. Jamie, I'll try. I never thought that I'd get to repay the favor. Remember, ring the bells and open the gates. Which, before he finished that quote, he he made it a point to tell him two times about the, the bells and the gates. Tyrion is trying all he can to save these innocent people in King's Landing, but keep going. Everything. And Jamie just stares at him and just looks at him for a minute and says, your queen will execute you for this. Oh, can I take this from here? Because I have that quote. I just said, yeah, Jamie tells Tyrion that Daenerys will execute him for this. And Tyrion replies, if Daenerys can make it to the throne without wading through a river of blood, maybe she shall mercy for, to the person who made that possible. Tens of thousands of innocent lives. One not particularly innocent dwarf. It seems like a fair trade. Man, he's ready to sacrifice his own life for thousands of innocent people. That's pretty fucking cool, man. That's it's, pretty uh, fucking cool. You see the justice and the morality of Tyrion here. And it sucks. Because his intellectuality, if yet, I almost want to say if he was smart enough and started winning some of these battles, he almost would have more of an influence over Danny, I would think. Probably. 
you know, and I, you might have some of these quotes. I don't know if you do because these truly aren't important. But what I said is like Tyrion and Jamie, they share emotional moments as Tyrion thanks Jamie for being the only friend he had as a child. Yeah. Oh, you, you do have <laughs> I have the whole Yeah, thing. of course you do. He says, if it weren't for you, I never would have survived my childhood. You would have. You were the only one who didn't treat me like a monster. You were all I have. And that was the biggest point I have there is just like you were saying, this is when they really connected and they hug each other and they're almost both breaking down because they feel like this is the last point. They're going to they, see each other. We'll ever see each other again. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, next thing I have here, King's Landing prepares its defenses and Jamie tries to make his way into the city. And the bell tower is shown. The bell tower is shown, which is a good little foreshadow. Now... This is something that I don't know if other people picked up on, and I don't know if I'm right here, but I'm going to throw this point out. Harry Strickland, he is the leader of the Gold Company. He has the Gold Company outside the walls ready for battle. What I believe, bro, I believe that Harry Strickland was meant to be like the new Jamie Lannister. Because keep in mind, Jamie was the Golden Lion. And Harry Strickland is the leader of the Golden Company. They even look similar and wear their hair almost the exact same. Think about Jamie back in season one, how he wore his hair. I think this was supposed to be the like uh, like the new Jamie, like you know the leader of the like not the Lannister army, but the protector and defender of the Lannisters. And they did their best to put someone that looks and represents exactly what Jamie looked like in his glory and in his prime. Think about it. If you look, at, if you, I don't think you might not see it now, but if you look at them next to each other on a Google image, you'll be like, I think I see what they were trying to do there. I think it could be. And that's why we I said, just don't know a lot about them. I just think it can't be a coincidence, man, because they like they they walk, talk, and act very similar, and like they even look a little bit alike, and they wear their ha- the hair the exact same way. And she, like Harry Strickland's defending the Lannister army, I believe. It was meant to be a little, a little like wink at us, like, hey, remember how Jamie used to be, like the Golden Line in the very beginning of the series. I can see like, it. I think I so, just, man. I just don't think we know enough about him. Keep in mind the Golden Company. Remember, they were basically sell swords. I'm gonna see if I can pull that, like, that up. Why? Uh, keep in mind the Golden Company. Like they were basically sell swords. Like they were contracted. It's not like he fought for some royal house at the time that's my problem with it i think harry strickland was just i think he was that kind of golden boy in like a shitty army that's what i think he was tell me that doesn't look like jamie lannister in season one as close as they're gonna make it it's pretty close like i i see your point dude i my problem is i don't see him coming from like a royal house or anything though but it's just it's just the way like it's not meant to be he it's like a almost like a full circle moment like this is what jamie lannister could have been if he didn't lose his hand and he stayed loyal to his his house like <laughs> bro foreshadowing dude, that, like, dude straight up like that that is 100 percent meant to be a little illusion towards jamie they wear the hair the exact same. They're fair skinned. They've got similar eye structures. Like I'm telling you, like I can't prove it. The difference is think... one's a bitch and one's not, though. <laughs> you see yeah, my point. But it's not. It's not so much about that. It's just I think that's what they were trying to make 
the allusion to. And again, keep in mind that Golden Company has a very ferocious and long standing reputation in Essos. And I, that's another thing. I got a bad And that's why I, I do believe that they, when we talk about how they rush this, they absolutely rush this because the Gold Company is supposed to be almost on par, not quite on par. But similar to the faceless men, yeah. Like they're supposed to be, like, like they're. I wouldn't to be, say faceless. Not. Man. I'm talking. I'm talking about like they're like. I would say they're in between the you second know, sons, that's which what is I what would the dark. Like, like they're better than second sons. I would say they're in between the second sons and then the faceless. The faceless men are the top of the top. Second sons are here. Golden companies in the middle of the two. I of would them. say they're better than the second sons and more rich. That's what they are. Like Second Sons is kind of. I'm just of talking like about the on the hierarchy assassins. of the Essos assassins. Like if you, if you think about it, like the, the two best aren't. I mean, there's Unsullied, there's Dothraki, there's the Second Sons, there's a the Golden Company, there's the Faceless Men. I'm saying, like in the hierarchy, Faceless Men are at the top, right? They're the best. They're the best killers ever because mm-hmm. you don't see they don't you don't know who they are or when it's gonna happen. They're the best. I would say the Golden Company's below them, but above the Second Sons. Like I'm saying, like in the hierarchy of that. So. I think they did a terrible job really showcasing the Golden Company's ability because they wanted to rush through and get this shit done. I think 100%. I think that's what it was. I think this damn thing should have been 10 seasons. Maybe. At least 10 fucking episodes on season 8. At least 10 episodes. I mean, you don't know much about the Golden Company. You got fucking Yara chilling in the Iron Islands. She didn't show up till last episode. Like, that's my problem. Like, it was so rushed... And we'll get into what happens in just a minute. But yeah, I mean, so they're starting to like, everyone's starting to kind of prepare for this big battle that's about to happen. And, and Tyrion pulls John to the side and tells him, hey, if you hear the bells ring, they've surrendered. Call off your men. How many times does Tyrion have to say this to me? He said it to Daenerys. He said it to Grey Worm. He said it to Jaime. He said it to John. Tyrion's doing the best he can to spare these lives. There's nothing more really that Tyrion can do. To, to spare the lives of the innocents in King's Landing, right? I think we can all agree on that. He's already pleaded for them so many times. And, and to many different people, not just one. He would have so, had a better chance if he didn't fuck up all the time. Maybe. Excuse but, me. But um, anyways, Arya and the Hound, they make it into the city before the gates close, and Jamie doesn't get there in time, which I thought was really interesting. Because like you said... The last image we saw with Jamie, we see that bell tower in the in the mm-hmm. distance, and him trying to make his way in there. And remember, you know that you see that woman and her child, and the hound pushes off of her with Arya, and they kind of look back and they make it through the gate. Yeah, which they'll come up again. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll come up again, right. you know, pretty soon. But uh, what I've got next, <laughs> nothing even like you know how in battles or in wars, something will like start the sound of like maybe a horn blowing something will begin the action nothing even sounds the star of this fight danny just flies down from the sky and starts destroying the iron fleet with drogon and this is a problem not not a problem i have guys this is more along the lines of um nit this is being nitpicky on my part but like how easily they killed Rhaegal. i know they weren't expecting to take it by surprise and ambush but bro, all of a sudden, basically Daenerys and Drogon are untouchable. They just destroyed the Iron Fleet with scorpions flying at them, like they never even mattered. Just dodging them, and you know she de- destroyed all the scorpions on the ramparts. Like out of nowhere, all of the weapons they have against the dragons are just useless for this war. Like, yeah, but but in the meantime, they're cool on the fucking river or on the fucking lake and in the, in the sea. Yeah, no problem. We can we can be very effective against your dragons then. 
But now in the war, like we've got 17,000 of these scorpions and not one can even touch you, not one can graze you, not one can injure you. Get well, the fuck out of my face. Bro, not one even hit his foot. There's no nothing even damaged. Yeah, nothing I, nothing I hit Drogon. Like, Dra- Drogon had, took no damage. In this entire war, he took he no damage. no defense either. <laughs> like, what the it was fuck is that, him. man? However, I do want to say it's like she planned for it, and it was only your I know that hit the dragon. Last but time. at the end of the day, you're in a war. You're gonna take damage, especially if you're as big as a fucking dragon. If you don't have any defense, <laughs> like she clearly had nothing. No, like they took no damage. Danny and which Drogon it was a took gorgeous day. This by amount the way. of damage. If you can't see me on the damn camera, I'm putting up a big old goose egg. They took which, no damage. Remember, though, as far as a military tactic, which is actually true, this has been used as a military tactic as far as in the book, uh, it kind of was a cloudy day and the sun was blinding him and she dives out of the sky with Drogon. And it was a and gorgeous that's fine. area. But at the end of the day, all these iron fleets were equipped with a scorpion and every one of the ramparts of the King's Landing, like the, the uh, outer city walls, were equipped with a scorpion. Not one of them could have hit his wing, could have hit his foot, could have hit anything. Bro, it's like he was invincible all of a sudden. I think she should have at least been having some sort of backup. There was no sort of difficulty or resistance she faced. She just mowed them down like they weren't there. What's the point? No, I think I think it. Uh, I think she definitely planned for it. Is it doesn't matter? She planned to beat the fucking Night King too, and he still took down a dragon. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, she planned... She, like, it was just very frustrating. I mean, then again, the Night King had a dragon, so... It's just... But at the same point in time, like, you can't go through one of the biggest... Especially if you're going to make the Long Night before that war, you can't make that war fucking harder than the last war. Like, like that, dude, they went... They mowed through Cersei's stuff like it was, like, fucking hot knife through butter. There was no resistance. There, name one important person that died in the last war. Name one big name. None. Yeah. None. Why, dude, so all you did really, guys, is you guys put, you guys used the Long Night as a scapegoat to weaken, like, it was a subplot to weaken Danny's army. Which is stupid as fuck. That's what I'm saying. Like, it should have been the number one. Dude, no one got, who, 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 honestly... Name one person that you know on Danny's side or John's side that got killed in the last war. I mean, Jorah. No, he got he died in the Long Night. Oh, I thought you were talking about no, last I'm war. No, ta- like, I'm talking before. about this one. Name one person that died on the, the quote-unquote good team. I mean, I think the point is it's a sleigh fest. It was a sleigh. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You can't have that. Dude, you, that's what frustrated me more than anything. It's like... I actually uh, wrote that here. Read that. It's a sleigh fest. <laughs> It's that's a funny. Slave but dude, you know what I'm saying? Like in a war, especially one for like the final end all be all, you face no opposition at all. I agree. Like we didn't have that big There's what n- the hell moment. <sighs> but I feel like we did have that with the Sunday. That was before this thing happened, but that wasn't a big I'm saying leading up to it. But at the end of the day, like that's not that surprising. I just don't see that like there was not any time a war happens, good people die, and I mean, I, mean, I can't say because everyone thinks they're good, good right? Good people killing people. <laughs> so every everybody people thinks people. they're in the right, okay? But at the end of the day, on armies, people die on both sides. But no one really died on Danny's side. Like not one, not any notable person. Realistically, like, yeah, at least Grey Worm. Not, not even Grey Worm. Maybe Davos. Maybe fucking somebody, like somebody. Somebody. Like, 
Dude. But yeah, Cersei didn't do shit. Nothing. It's a fucking slave nothing. Fest. It's a hundred percent a slave fest. It was literally a thirty so, to nothing bombs bombs balls out. Dude, fucking slay on your ass. So what I have here is, um, nothing even like I said. It's uh, it's convenient now that all the scorpion bolts miss. Danny destroys the outer wall, collapsing on the Golden Company in a burst of flames. At that point in time, that's the signal for Grey Worm when she said, Hey, you'll know when it's time. Well, yeah, that was the fucking time. So now the Dothraki, the Northmen, and the Unsullied rush the Golden Company at this point in time. Harry Strickland, this guy that I gotta say is built to be the next Jamie Lannister, runs away, and Grey Worm launches a spear right through his back that protrudes through his chest and kills him. So much for the Golden Company being the super hyped up. Strickland never even drew his sword. He didn't even put his sword in his hand. He goes out Dude, like a bitch. The whole Golden Company did. And they were supposed to be this highly touted, hyped up, big ass, awesome fucking mercenary team. Like, and they were nothing. And then keep in mind, as this is happening, of course, so right before this happens. Danny dives out of the sky, clears day with Drogon, blowing up the fleet of the Iron Islands with the Greyjoys, and and Euron's ship, even as he's like shooting at her, is blowing up, and she comes from the back. So Harry Strickland, you know, he's kind of standing there on his horse, this white stallion for a minute, like he's actually gonna do some shit against John and Ser Davos, and the wall explodes from behind them. Like, literally ass to mouth. Like, shit's going down for real. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Dude, straight up. So, what I've got, what's funny, because you said it's a slave fest. My notes, it's a complete slaughterhouse. <laughs> it's a complete <laughs> slaughterhouse. Malice so, in the chalice, in. baby. Let's Malice in the chalice. Cap it up, yeah. Amen. All right, so, uh, so yeah, it's a complete slaughterhouse. They are through to the streets of King's Landing, cutting through the army like a hot knife through butter. It's exactly what I put in my hot notes. Hot knife through butter, so, hot as shit. Danny and Drogon are incinerating the Golden Company and all the scorpions on the ramparts. So what it cuts to next is Kyburn going to Cersei and informing her that all the scorpions have been destroyed. She tells him that the Iron Fleet hold Blackwater Bay and that Euron already killed one of her dragons before and that he can kill another. And Kyburn tells her, Your Grace, the Iron Fleet is burning. <laughs> the gates have been breached. It's open. Like, like open. So, what this showed me is that she's just delusional. She tells him, that, uh, Our men will fight harder than cell swords ever could. Cersei, they don't love you. She's they in don't disbelief. care about you. Disbelief. She's, in, in, she's in denial. It's denial. She's in denial. And I do want to say this about Harry, Harry Strickland. Yeah, Harry Strickland. Remember, he got knocked off the white horse. Yeah. So that's very important because he gets knocked off. And then Grey Worm, like, stabbed him as the horse, the like, kind of walks off or something. Well, that's yeah. important for what there is a theory for later on. Which I have a different theory, but we'll get into it. But, I do, too, but I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I get what you're saying, bro. So her quote, Cersei back, she said, the Red Keep has never fallen it will not fall today <laughs> okay <laughs> okay that's like that powerhouse yeah, team right. that is getting their ass handed to them yeah, unless they just the can't patriots. accept they can't accept it right? patriots against my falcons so 2000 and whatever the fuck it was the next 13, thing i have here 14, dude 17. is the two armies they meet in the streets and they just stare off like the northmen the unsullied and like all that that army is just facing off with the Lannister army in the streets and no one's moving a muscle. It's just like a stare off. 
And while that's going on, Jamie's climbing. Right? So, what happens now? The Lannisters, what do they do? The Lannister army. Uh, you mean when they put down their weapons? They lay yeah, down their so weapons. Before, no, not to foreshadow, before anything happens, like, like the symbol to surrender hasn't even been, like, done yet. And they're like, alright, we're good. Yeah, and uh, before... So remember Tyrion was saying, ring the bells. If mm-hmm. the bells are rang, you surrender. Yeah. Before then, they look at John, Sir Davos, and Grey Worm, and the rest of the Northmen, and they're looking back and forth. And Drogon's roaring off the top of his lungs, and he's screaming, Aah! and it's like over the entire city, and Danny's flying over everybody and mounting on the castle walls. And they look at him, and they realize they're fucked. In five minutes, this city is lost, and they just drop down their weapons, and you can hear the cling of the sword. Before on the, stone the surrender has ever been like ever was like done, because I have we got that next. Like, dude, they didn't. They like it wasn't like the bells were ringing, and then they threw down their weapons. They didn't want any part of it. They're like we're done, done, done. So it's funny because now what I have is after what mu- I I put this in the words that I say here after what must have se- seemed like the world's longest delay. King's Landing rings the bells. The fighting is over. Or is it? <laughs> and at this point in time, we see the vision that Bran saw with the shadow of a dragon over King's Landing fully realized with Drogon in the picture now. We had that remember remember, remember from season back three? Then? Yeah. He had the like the, the, the shadow of the dragon mm-hmm. flying over. It was the exact scene, but now you can see Drogon in it as well. Yep. So he had a vision of the future, which is interesting because we talk about the three eyed raven not being able to see the future. So maybe the, the maybe the visions come in patches because you didn't see it was Drogon, you just saw a dragon shadow in the vision. Yeah. Here you see it's Drogon and his shadow which over gives the exact me Yeah, go ahead. Issues though, because they said he couldn't see the future future at mm-hmm. all. He saw something. I mean, we, we got to see the flashes of what he saw. So, like I said, like maybe when we say see the future, like I, like I think I brought this point up a couple weeks ago. Like when you see the future, it's not like a clear picture of like a memory. Like okay, this is exactly what happened. It might be like pictures of this. It could mean this. It could mean that. Like it might be like flashes of little tiny moments. It wouldn't be like I know exactly what's going to happen. Like, I don't think it's that kind of deal. So I don't know. All I know is that Bran definitely had that vision back in, you know, I think, was it, you said it was season three? I didn't know for sure. But. It was season three, because remember you had the three swords on the cover with the dragon, and okay. it was the white background. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was season three. Also, you can look up, if you just go to Instagram and just type in uh, dragon or drogon or mother of dragons, you'll see like the castle with the dragon shadow going over it. But the, cool. the long and short of it is, is that like this, this like thing we finally got the full circle of that, that vision. We mm-hmm. saw what that ended up turning yeah. into, right? And, and so uh, then, of course, yeah. Now it's you, man, because this is your girl. You, you talk to him about what happens. So uh, I mean, after all this is occurring, Danny is on the back of Drogon, and you know you got the smoke on her face with. Which is funny, guys. If you guys can see this here, (laughs) Chase bought this amazing Funko Pop specifically for this episode. It's Daenerys with Drogon breathing fire. For those who can't see, who just listening on podcasts and not on the YouTube, you can see 
that Daenerys actually has the smoke on her face on the Funko Pop, which I thought was very great detail. So shout out you, bro, I, for grabbing that. Yeah, man. I went to uh, Coliseum of Comics, man. I got to give them a shout out. They've always been good to me. I saw that in the store. My buddy Warren, uh, what's funny is I've been going there since, like, I've seen these people kind of rise up the chain. Now, like, his boss is gone and he's taken over. And he was like, yeah, man, I know you want it. I listened to your podcast, all this shit. And I was like, yeah, man, I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do it right now. And then guess what? I fucking did it. Bothered, <laughs> yeah. That was a great move because it looks fantastic. It. So Only continue on. I'm sorry. No, no. I wanted, I wanted no, to shout you out man, for doing that. That was a good moment. But, yeah, and, and you know, Drogon's flapping of the city. and It's got that visually stunning moment with the fins and the spikes on his back. And she's looking at the bell tower, and she sees the castle. And you can see this moment of not desperation i want to say broken indecision i would indecision. say indecision and so before- anxiety just soulless really like she's lost it all she and, didn't give a fuck and before you get into that because you said it right there she lost it all let's go through the entire seasons and see who she's lost she's lost her brother her brother viserys right killed him herself well drogon drogo killed him, <laughs> yeah so drogo killed him yeah, so lost Viserys, lost her handmaiden because she like got killed by the other handmaiden who betrayed her in Koth. So the two people who were closest to her there, gone. Boom. Cal Drogo, lost. Gone. Boom. Her son in her stomach, lost. Gone. Boom. On top of that, we get into uh, Marine, where uh, she... I would say I wouldn't say she loses anyone important here except for Barris and Selmy. Yeah. So Barris and Selmy gone. She gets to, to back to Westeros. Jorah gone. Two dragons gone. Missandei gone. That's ten motherfuckers in her life that were the closest people to her dead and gone. And then of course she gets over to Winterfell. Not only is all the trust broken, and they don't trust her, but the one person you completely fell in love with is the biggest threat. <laughs> is the biggest threat to the only thing you worked for your entire life. Imagine trying yeah. to get into the biggest college you've ever worked for your entire life, and then you get found out. It's between you and your best friend. Are you and your brother? You and your sister? Yeah, you and your girlfriend. You and your girlfriend. And girlfriend. They, and they get it. Wife. Uh, it's heartbreaking and she feels like she has nothing Bro, she doesn't have anything she's lost everything outside of gray worm so what ends i up happening, don't bro? agree with what she does but i see where she is coming from and i argue you can argue on the channel with me all you want i encourage you to do so to see what your opinion is if you were on the back of that dragon and you just saw your best friend fucking killed what would you have done? Now, here's the thing. So she is looking back at the castle, and she's looking at the bells, and the bells are ringing back and forth. The bells are ringing. The bells are echoing throughout the city. Tyrion's looking at the bells. John's looking at the bells. You almost had that moment of pause for a minute. And she looks at the bells and looks at the city and looks at the bells and she decides to make this personal and drogon let's let's call it for what it is the coins flipped and she's the mad queen and like very says you know the gods toss a coin 
with Targaryens. And she... Her coin landed. Her coin landed and Drogon ignites an entire fire through the entire street, killing civilians and innocents. Which, to this point here, before you continue with it, I believe, in my heart of hearts here, that her her and Grey Worm must have premeditated this. Because he was there when Danny agreed to stop once the bells ring. But he doesn't look surprised at all when she's burning it all down. Quite the opposite. He attacks the unarmed Lannister army immediately after she starts blowing the whole shit down. Stabbing him. He, Dude, he, he, oh, I'm, I'm going to stand up and try to do this the best I can. Forgive me if I knock this whole shit down. I don't know if you guys can still hear me or not. But this guy had his spear in his hand down held like this. After the fires start going through the city, he flips the spear up, catches it in his hand, and launches it through the first Lannister that put his sword down. I'm telling you, there is no way you just... If you, if you were the one that heard Danny say, okay, I, I agree, once the Belgian will stop, you would second guess it. Grey Worm didn't second guess it. He was ready. So I think they had a premeditated plan that this was going to fucking happen. Yeah, he got the fucking Javelin Award besides the Night King. He launched <laughs> that shit, dude. Yeah, he bro. launched that shit. If Night King came first, his ass came in Close second. second. <laughs> like, he, he launched that shit. And I think, I think too, he's waiting for it. I mean, here's the thing, though. You can see almost, like, the distraught, like, the makeup coming off and the sweat and the pouring just doesn't give a fuck anger anymore like she has no family like this is it like why not burn it down yeah and unfortunately you know on top of the lannister soldiers that are screaming "Ah!" as they burn to the ground and Tyrion watches dude that's what that's the next thing i have is that Tyrion is in shock like he's like holy fuck like what's happening like yeah i mean it's literally melting armor like, it, it's so hot that it's melting armor and people are incinerating into ash as part of the buildings are turning into burnt, dark, black ash and collapsing into the ground. For sure, man. And what I've got next is John tries to get the army to stop. Like, he like trying to, he grabs him, pushes him back. Like, no! Like, but it doesn't work. They're slaughtering soldiers and innocents alike all of a sudden. Everywhere. Know? Everywhere. And, and another, this is the next thing that I've got coming from John. He actually ends up killing one of their own people to save an innocent woman. Like, he literally grabs her. Like, she, like that guy grabbed the woman in the alley and is trying to kill her. And John, like, pushes him up and holds him against the wall and, like, looks at him. Then the guy tries to attack John, and John's like, fuck. And then just slows the, the, the sword through I remember him, right? the guy was trying to rape her. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, John was, like, pulling her He clothes had off. to kill one of their own allies, like, one of their own people because of all this madness that was going on think about like rioting and looting all of a sudden one thing happens you just lose any sorts of any sort of like like um reasoning and you're just going with straight emotion this guy he wasn't thinking about who Jon snow was that he was a leader of their fucking army he was just straight up ah everyone's everyone's killing everyone i'm gonna kill everyone too and then like like then john had to do what he had to do man this is the moment though where right before then there's a pause and when danny gives that order which i don't want to say it's an order because she just took off with drogon and started yeah. blasting flame That's what i'm saying john is like this is that what the fuck moment like, like i can't believe girl that i love 
It's literally like you've been deceived the whole time. Wool over like, the I eyes. Get, what's what's going on? This isn't the girl I fell in love with. This isn't. This is. This should not be happening. And remember, he sees the Northmen on his side. That's is what I'm saying. shoving the girl down, pulling her clothes off. Mm-hmm. And what does John do? Yeah, he pulls him up against the wall. Tells him like basically holds him to stop. The guy tries to attack John. And John puts a sword through him. Yeah. Like right through his chest. Had to. So now what I have here, what comes up next is Jamie. He goes to the back way behind Blackwater Bay to enter King's Landing from the back entrance to find Cersei. And who stops him? Our boy Euron Greyjoy. How nice. Kingslayer. Kingslayer. <laughs> do you have do you have those do you have those quotes? Yeah, I do. I'm still fucking so, uh, I mean, I'm sure you got the actual quotes, but basically what I wrote down to summarize it, Euron stops him, taunts him about Cersei, because he, he's like, I fucked the queen. Because he, what did he say? Like, it was something along, the the, I, something along the lines of, like, if you kill another king, they'll sing about you for centuries. And, he, and Jamie tells him, you're no king. He's like, <laughs> oh, but I am. I fucked the queen. <laughs> you have it? You have it? Yeah. You got it. And I Do love it. what he says, because he kind of spits in the water as he's stumbling off the beach. Uh, and he goes, Kingslayer. Jamie, we need to get to the queen out of King's Landing. Like, actually looking at Euron like he gives a shit about Cersei. Listen, that's the sound of a city dying. It's over. <laughs> Jamie begins to walk off like, fuck you, man. Uh, well, maybe it's because of you. Euron takes out his sword. If you kill another king before you die, they'll sing about you forever. You're no king. Oh, but I am. I fucked the queen. If I win, I'll bring your head to Cersei so she can kiss you. One last time. That's what I'm saying. This guy's a fucking psycho. <laughs> like, man. I was like, remember he goes, "Let's go murder them." Yeah, Dude, he's just always been wrong in the head since the start. Which and remember, Jamie. This is when he takes his sword and is like, "Fuck this!" and like swings right at Euron, and he's missing with one hand. As then he tries a second and a third time, and he hits that rock in front of him. Um, and then kind of backs uh, away from it. You're going to break down the whole fight? <laughs> oh, you know I always break down everything. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I mean, honestly, what I really have here, just because like, at the end of the day, it was it was a good fight back and forth, but Euron is able to get his dagger and thrust it into Jamie's side, which is a fatal, fatal blow. It's a fatal blow. <laughs> and so you think that that's the end of it, right? Wrong. wrong <laughs> So that's, that's the end of that scene, right? And it kind of flips back to Kyburn. And he's trying to convince delusional Cersei that they can't stay in the Red Keep. Mm-hmm. That Magar's Holdfast would be a better place to wait out the storm. And she finally agrees to go. Like, bitch, you had to wait until the entire city was on fire to realize, hey, you know what? We got no shot here. What in the world? Yeah, what in the world? And, I mean, the biggest thing I kind of have in this fight is it kind of scopes back to Cersei and then back to Euron. And when it goes back to Cersei, it's showing the entire collapse of the city. Yes. The building is collapsing around Cersei as she's in complete denial. Take a shot. Uh, Dragons, you know, Drogon is flapping with his leather wings over the entire city where you can see that shadow. And Danny mounted on top of him. 
is bursting fire from Drogon's mouth through the streets, just going one by one through the street. And I think it was, was it like the tower of the hand or something? It gets blown off with the fire from Drogon. He takes out the top of the castle and it falls until like that water that like pounds down into the river, which is where like Euron and Jamie is. Do you remember that moment? I remember like the takes moment, out but the I don't, the I don't know something. if it's the Tower of the Hand or if it's Megra's Holdfast. I don't know. I think it's something because similar. I, know I don't know what it is. Because like, it would make sense if it was Megra's Holdfast because now they've got no place to go. That would make but, sense. But it might have been the Tower I of the Hand. I don't know. We don't I'm know. Sure. We don't know what building it is. But, but um, one big thing it has was, you know, Jamie as he is attacking Euron, Euron starts punching him in the face. <laughs> like, over and over, just using his power and, like, strong. Jamie's got one hand. <laughs> yeah, like, Jamie's a bitch now. Like, he only has one hand. Uh, but Jamie kind of kicks Euron back and, and uses his forces against him with what he has in his lower body. As Euron, like, jumps on top of Jamie, kind of tackles him at this point. You know, he's just wailing on him, holding him off. And then uh, with his left hand, Jamie holds him and then headbutts Euron and then punches him back. Holding with that gold hand uh, I'm describing, you know, the one that's not real <laughs> that he got in season two. Um, coughing up blood, Jamie's like yurking, looking Yur at you. Yurking. Yurking, yurking, <laughs> yakking, coughing, throwing up, whatever you want to fucking say. Um, so he reaches, you're on by his feet, reaches for Jamie's sword. Uh, Jamie pulls Euron back as he's trying to reach for Jamie's sword. And remember, this is one on there. They're on the ground, like, crawling at this point. They're dog fighting. Uh, and Jamie uh, is falling to the ground and pulls his sword out as Euron stabs Jamie inside. And he falls on his back and is, like, groaning and wheezing you know, he, he sounds like a guy with lung cancer. All right, and that's like that's the first fatal blow that I was talking about before it goes back to Kyburn trying to convince Cersei that they can't stay there. But then after that goes back, after that it goes back to Yaron and Jamie, and Yaron tells Jamie, "Hey, you fought well for a cripple, but guess what? Jamie doesn't give up there. He crawls to his sword. He crawls to his sword, and you can see like Yaron's face, like fuck, like just fucking stop. I'm fucking tired. Fucking die. <laughs> like like and so." Uh, uh, yeah, you gotta guess something. Okay, so, anyways, um, Euron stabs Jamie. So he starts. Jamie starts crawling to his sword, and before Jamie gets to his sword, Jamie Euron stabs Jamie in his other side. But because he used all of that force to stab Jamie in his other side, Jamie was able to use Euron's momentum against him. And knock Euron back. And when Euron's against the walls, Jamie thrusts his sword into Euron's stomach. And then twists it, which is a fatal blow to Euron. So guys, the reason I always like to emphasize the stab and the twist, when you get your organs penetrated by a sharp object, your chances of survival are a lot bigger if it's just a quick penetration, like there's a rip or a tear or a hole, and then out. And it's just it's just a straight fix. It's a straight, you know, like wait, a straight uh, 
like fixed, right? When you twist the sword, that rips whatever you've stabbed into, making it much harder to come back from or survive or have any sort of medical professional be able to save your life. So the stab and the twist, the reason why he does the twist is because it rips the internal organs and makes it a lot harder for the person who got stabbed to survive. So Jamie was able to to, to get the best of Euron in that exact moment. And that was a now, good point you make because remember season six with Arya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She got yeah, she got stabbed just yeah by, she I'm got back, the twist. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um anyways, Euron, he tells he like I mean he's like dying, holding his stomach on, on the rocks. And do you have exactly what he said? Yeah, let me pull it out. Here. Yeah, go ahead and pull that out. I was letting you seal the show there, man. Yeah. But I, oh, I, King Slayer, I, I Josh Slayer. I will in a second because I'm going to take this. You know, after you tell him the exact words. Uh, so, he said something like, "You killed, you killed another king, right?" He said that because I remember yeah, seeing that. Remember, he was kind of bleeding out his mouth. Well, yeah. And then Euron said, "But I got you." It's like you killed another king, but I got you. He does say because you, yeah. you have to watch the subtitles to catch that part when he says, "You killed another king." I mean, I had that. Oh, uh, it's you? actually oh. after. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Josh always jumps before thinking I don't have it. I watch it with subtitles now because of you. <laughs> yeah, he goes, but I got you. I got you. I'm the man that killed Jamie Lannister. And then with his last breath, uh, which this is, you've already said what he said, which was before. Um, what did you say? I'm the man that killed Jamie Lannister. No, I was talking about no, no, no. That, to, see, you, you misunderstood me. Before Euron even said anything, like before he said, "I got you," he said, "You got another king. Or you killed another king." And then another he said, "But king I got you. For you." Yeah, another king for you. That's another, what. I was. Another. See, king you thought you. I didn't have that. Gotcha. <laughs> another king for another you. So that was the one to you. start. That started it. Mm -hmm. But here's my part. This is the part where I'm going to take this back because you know Euron's my boy, right? Mm -hmm. Guys, think about this. Let's talk about Euron for a second. He killed Balon Greyjoy in his own castle. Killed two Sand Snakes where Jaime and Bronn failed to kill those same Sand Snakes. Bronn and Jaime failed, right? Beat Yara's fleet. Took Yara captive. Beat Yara's fleet again. Took Missandei captive. He gave Cersei Olaria and Tyenne. He brought the Golden Company to Cersei. He killed a dragon. He landed the final blow on Jamie Lannister. What a fucking badass. He's a badass, man. Think about that 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 resume. And that's going that's not even including the shit that he's done that is not depicted in a Song of Ice and Fire, like the dragon eggs, like like the sea thing that, you know, he was like over in Essos. Bro. He's a badass. I mean, even that's that's what makes it so plausible. I can see him going three for three. Because I couldn't see anyone else doing it, but the fact that he waited there and was such a badass, I could, I, think, I, I could it. think it's plausible. Braun, like, shot the scorpion at Drogon in the spoils for war. Didn't phase the, the dragon at all. Euron, three for three, dead. He's done what the people we've grown to know and love and have respect for for their abilities were never able to do and you got a good point did you know so the actor that plays Yaron Greyjoy was actually in an interview um I forgot who it was uh a journalist but he was in an interview before 
that was my hands, guys. You know, I like to talk with my hands, right, Josh? Right, yeah. Joshy? Yeah. Anyways, uh, so you're on the guy that plays him was in an interview with the writers and was saying, I'm going to make Ramsey Bolton look like a bitch, quote, unquote. <laughs> and, uh, you know, after the show, people were like, you didn't make Ramsey look like a bitch. Like, Ramsey was crazy. Ramsey was a psycho-sadistic fuck, and I'm a big Ramsey fan. However, Yuan was much more of a badass if you break down the detail. Yeah. He did everything that the biggest names in the Song of Ice and Fire couldn't do. Yeah, only and one, he really oh, was. Only him and the Night King killed the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I like, dude. He killed Jamie. Like, but that's the thing too. And to the flip on the flip point side of this, how was Jamie able to kill Euron Greyjoy? Jamie had one hand. He couldn't even spar <laughs> yeah. with. He couldn't even spar with Bronn. Well, I mean, he had no ability to fight. Just like you were saying, as far as he took that sword and kind of shoved it through him and used but like, his body how you, weight. Like, that's what I'm saying. But like, the thing is, like, how do you get this guy in this position? Like, yo, honestly, Euron Greyjoy should have been able to defeat Jamie like, like hands down, no problem. Because like, what did Bronn say? Bronn said, <laughs> Bronn told him, "You couldn't do it on your best day, you one-handed fuck, and your and your best days are long behind you." So if Jamie can't beat Bronn, but Bronn can't do what Euron Greyjoy can do and kill a fucking dragon. How the fuck can Jamie beat Euron? I think it comes... My only argument for Jamie at this point is it comes down to situation. But to your to your perspective, Jamie even said in episode two of season eight, remember you told Brienne, I'm not the fighter I once was. That's what I'm saying. Like, so the, 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 a half of, let's, say, let's say at best he's half of what he was, but he kills Euron Greyjoy, who happens to be better at everything than everyone else. How? How, Sway? <laughs> I think but, this was more was, of... It was something that the, the writers books, tried to do to slide past us because... I mean, I think it, you kind of want to give... Shit up. Yeah, right? Well, here's it. I don't even think it's that. I think it's that they wanted to still give Jamie that big moment because he's been in it since the beginning, However, was it a moment? It's not realistic, in my opinion. I mean, maybe if like Jamie was like some badass in the Long Night and progressed with his left hand. If Jamie had both hands, I could buy it. Like one-handed if, Jamie couldn't like, couldn't beat the Sand Snakes. Maybe Anakin bro, Skywalker. Bro, think about this. Well, you oh, <laughs> you stop, can stop, try. Stop fucking bring up Anakin. Bro. You, you can bring try him up every single time. It has nothing to do with anything. Anakin's the shit. So my thing is, Jamie. Fought the Sand Snakes with his one hand and got his ass kicked. They lost that fight. Bron and Jamie lost against the Sand Snakes. Euron killed two Sand Snakes at the same time, but somehow Jamie kills Euron? Dude, no. And as much as I want to take Jamie's side because I love Jamie, I can't. Like, it, it I just, it makes like I no said, like, it, it was something that Statistically, was. Statistically, Jamie's percentage uh, like almost like a you know a football game or a soccer game or a basketball game baseball game jamie's percentage of winning that fight should have been like 10 (laughs) percent yeah anyways we'll we'll move on from it because like it is what it is it happened i have a lot of issues with it but whatever uh next thing i've got is ari and the hound they enter that map i call it the map room because that's where, like, on the ground, it's, like, painted the whole map of Westeros. Yeah, I called it the war room. <laughs> oh, the war. I, call, I call it the map and call it the war room. Anyways, like fantasy football. <laughs> this, is the, this is what I was talking about last episode. We talked about this last week. The Hound now decides to tell Arya to go home after their entire journey, now that they're already there. He seemed happy to have her company the entire way. And now he's like, 
Now that we're here, go home. Yeah, like, what? Ugh. The, Ugh. Like, oh, what the fuck? Don't forget Drogon at this point. He's like soaring over the sky. It's like, and it's, you know, just wow. Talk about uh, fearing. Imagine if you were like a child or a person down there. Like he, he's just breathing fire on this castle as this thing is going to start But that's collapsing. not the important part. But Drogon's been blowing fire. The important part is like, dude, yeah, the Hound just switched his entire prerogative. Like no one's going to mention that. You were happy to have Arya's company go all the way down to King's Landing. You're both under the same... Remember what he said to the fucking sentryman? Yes, she's here to kill the queen. Think about it. If she kills the queen, you may live. Now, all of a sudden, when you're here to do the job, you're like, ah, no. (laughs) You don't want to be like me. Go home. Now, to bending off and Wise's point, so say you're in that kind of final destination moment. Like, you see everything collapsing around you and you know this girl's gonna die as a father figure which is what the hound is when he says you want to tell him what he says uh okay i said Arya shakes him off and keeps going saying i'm gonna kill her the hound grabs her and says you think you've wanted revenge a long time i've been after it all my life it's all i care about and look at me look at me you want to be like me you come with me you die here. And he walks away. And I do say he has go home, girl. But it's... And that was before all that. But yeah. my point is, he's kind of... Remember, we've been talking about this. How Arya and the Hound, you know, they kind of have that father-daughter relationship. And the Hound, I think, in this moment is almost like if it's your own daughter. Or it's your own sister. Look, oh, you he have to go. Didn't worry about it on the way down there. Put himself, put her in danger the whole way there. Thought it but was I don't, cool then. I don't think he thought the building was going to collapse on her. Now, I do have a problem with this. It's fucking dragon. I have a problem with this. Why the hell were you so focused on this fucking list since the beginning and this was going to happen? Mm. Dude, I got a lot of stuff to say about the list. I'll probably say it for the <laughs> summary episode, yeah. but regardless. Anyways, mm-hmm. Arya calls after him. And she says, Sandor, thank you. And he looks at her, and this is their farewell. He doesn't even respond back to her, but they have that last moment of eye contact. He looks back to her, and they both go on their separate ways. And it's really sad because we're, we're you know, what's going to happen here very, very shortly. But this is the, that's the last interaction that the Hound and Arya will have. Arya thanking him, and him looking at her acknowledging it without saying a word and going about his business. And I still say in season eight, one of my favorite quotes was, I guess I'll have three chickens. It's not season eight, but that's... that's... <laughs> no, I said season eight is now. Oh, <laughs> Season oh. three is when that was. That was I guess bit. I'll take three chickens. Yeah. Was yeah. that season three or season four? I think it was season three. Either way, I know what three. you're talking about. Because that was the no, brothers it was without a, it was after. It was, after the, it was after the Red Wedding, because he, he was still traveling with Oh, her. okay, so season four. So it was probably four. season four. It was pretty close. Yeah. 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 It's, it's hard to think back, you know, how many things different happened, yeah. but... I think anyways, it's season three, but okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, the building starts falling, and the mountain, he shields Kyburn and Cersei from the falling building, which is kind of badass, as, like, the fucking buildings are falling off of his shoulder and his back. Like, okay, like, you can't feel any of that, boy? Okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> cool. So they go to make their way down the staircase, and the hound is on the way up, and they meet at long last. And I have right here, 
the hound. So the, there's other members of the King's Guard go down to meet the hound in battle. The hound killed all four of them. Like he was making a sandwich. Like it was Nothing. not a big deal at all. Nothing. We actually, dude, when I came over here today, you had that on the screen and I got to see it again. And I was that like, bro, was look, awesome. look how easy he just cut through those people, man. That was not an issue whatsoever. There was so, five, actually. There was five guards. Clicking, cut through all five. It was four. It was four. Was it four? Yeah, it, was four. it was four or five. It was, it was four, a fucking lie. I'd like four. to see you do that shit. I yeah, marked it, it as a clicking bowl. Oh, me too. But not quite yet. But like, so when the only way it'd be better is with lightsabers. <laughs> yeah. So the hound kills the four other King's Guard soldiers and then looks up and says, Hello, big brother. <laughs> like, like, it was like, like the most casual thing in the world. Now, like, the mountain's ready for this battle, and Cersei commands Sir Gregor, like, Sir Gregor, stay by my side. And he doesn't listen and starts advancing towards the hound. Then Kyburn gets in Gregor's face and says, and tells, he's like, he's like, Sir Gregor, obey your queen. <laughs> Sir Gregor grabs Kyburn by the throat, smashes his skull against the wall where you hear an instant pop and blood pop out the back. Then launches him down the stairs, hits the thing against the wall, and parts of his brain fall out the back. And it was like down the stairs, killing him instantly. It was Kyburn killed by his own creation, which is a beautiful poetic justice. Ky- it was almost like that, like, I wouldn't say Frankenstein type deal, but like the mad scientist that creates something that it can't control. Like, dude, you know what it is? Dr. Giro and Android 17 and 18. That's what it was. Dude, Dragon they fucking Z, killed man. him. In the, the, yeah. Remember when he ran away after Vegeta remember killed him? Remember he had that yeah. cut open brain with the little cap on there? Well, that was up. that was the clown looking one, right? Are you talking? No, Giro had that. No, Giro, Giro yeah, 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 had that. Yes, yes. Yeah, because he got yeah. his head so, yeah, off. The, yeah, so he went back there and he tried to unleash Android 17 and 18 and they killed him. Yeah. His own creation fucked him over in the end so how good of an yeah. illusion was that that was and you good... were right it was four <laughs> i thought it was four. i was like it had to be five yeah, four is just too sure fucking four. easy big <laughs> dirty <laughs> yeah but uh what i have after that i said cersei scampers past the clegane boys and my next bullet point why the fuck didn't he just shove her against the wall or like put a sword through her quickly like instantly out of all the shit like she's that. done like whatever but then, looks. What's my next bullet point here? Say, look at this. What's that say? The Clogane Bowl begins. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. And then this is my issue, right? So that that Clogane Bowl begins, and I'm sure you've got each stroke by stroke, and <laughs> gonna take nine years off my life. But my biggest thing is like once once Sir Gregor's helmet gets knocked off. Why does he look like a zombified Varus? Like, guys, if you remember what the mountain looked like before, like, in the, in the what's it called, the trial by combat with Oberyn, he had a full beard and he had hair. Well, now all of a sudden, when you're dead, you lose all your hair and you're clean-shaven all on top and on the sides of your face. So, apparently, beards are not allowed, like, for zombified people. I, I don't understand. Like And then, like I said, he didn't even look like... He looked, like, infected. Bro. And, like, he was cut in the face. I don't ever recall my boy cutting him in the face. He just, Maybe it was a poison taking effect. My biggest issue is he looked more like a zombie Varus than he did the mountain. And that's what bothered me more than anything. He did. Actually, think about it. Hey, guys, we got him right here. Bro, that looks more like a zombie Varus than it, it does the mountain. It looks just like a zombie Like, Varys. it kind of sucks. But, anyways... 
Uh, I'll let you talk a little bit about the events before the helmet got knocked off, because I'm sure my boy Chase has got stroke for stroke what happened in the Clegane Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I'll describe this. Uh, here we go. Oh, big dirty. Big dirty. Let's get a malice in All the chalice, right. baby. Sounds good, bro. Let's get a malice for the Clegane Bowl. Mm. It earned it. The Clegane Bowl was great. It's like the Super Bowl of the... Of the Lannisters. <laughs> yeah. I don't say the Lannisters. I say the Super Bowl of the like, Sandors. The, the Cleganes. <laughs> Cleganes. Yeah. yeah, that's better. Sandor versus Gregor. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, I showed Chase this earlier today. Now, obviously, we talked about it a couple times. The mountain changed actors three different times, mm-hmm. right? But I was telling him, man, the original mountain that he fought, that, that, that the Hound fought in season one looked a lot more like his brother than what the current mountain like that they ended up finishing it out with really did like i went back and watched with josh season one when they had the battle at robert brathian's tournament the king the 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 tournament for the the hand of the king that he he looks so similar to the hound yeah like he could be his brother yeah and then this one just i mean he's a big guy i think that's why they did it and he's actually the world's strongest man in real life i don't he's like bjornson something i don't know how to say his name but should have gotten batista but (laughs) Dude, no, this guy, like, this guy, no, this guy is definitely bigger and stronger than Batista, but it's just the fact that he doesn't resemble his brother, and even worse now that he looks like a zombified Varus, it just rubbed me the wrong way yeah. when you had such a great actor in the beginning for the mountain. But anyways, describe the Clegane Bowl up to the point where he knocks his helmet off because then it changes yeah. scenes. So one thing I do want to say when he was slicing him four times, like you were saying, remember one of those times he actually hits the mountain and, and blood goes on the sword. So he actually does... Remember, he's like hitting him four times before. Oh, I haven't even described off. the Clean Game Bowl at all. Oh, I was about I'm talking to about the. the I'm talking about the. The only thing I ever mentioned was the four soldiers that he killed. Oh, okay, And then gotcha. Kyburn yeah. that died. I didn't, I didn't gotcha. say anything about the Clean okay, Bowl yeah. other than the fact that okay, his helmet got knocked off and he looked like Zombie Varus. Gotcha. So I yeah. didn't say anything. Go, go all the way in so, on, the, on the bowl because I didn't break that down battle by battle because I knew you fucking would. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see the mountain's ugly mug as <laughs> I described it. And he has that cut on the side of his face which it looks like it's been which is kind of cool because you guys can see it here too i mean obviously if you're listening just on slowly podcast you can't but i'm holding up uh the funko pop for gregor but you can see the ugly cut on the side of his face yeah it's like zombie like it's like it's almost like it's disgusting it's like infected Infected. cut yeah i mean with pus and stuff yeah um but the hound says yeah that's you that's what you've always been and then the mountain is kind of swinging his sword at Clegane as the building is starting to collapse in front of him. And then Cersei... Oh, you, know, yeah. uh, you want to go into that real quick? Yeah, it kind of cuts yeah, over to yeah, her. Yeah, it does, it does. Yeah. yeah. So Cersei and Jamie miraculously find each other in the map room and embrace. While this whole place is falling down, <laughs> Jamie had two mortal wounds to both his sides, but... That's fine. They're just gonna miraculously find each other in the same place at the same time. That sounds very fucking plausible. Okay, whatever. Anyways, they miraculously find each other in the map room and they embrace. You know, like she starts saying, "Did you have some words that she said?" Because I didn't even give a fuck about the dialogue here because I thought that was so ridiculous that he was able to find. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Fuck that. that Ridiculous. That's stupid. It was completely ridiculous. He even found her. First of all. I will say this. I'm going to take a little part of the fight because I guess I did break a small part down. Now we go back to the Hound in the Mountain Clegane Bowl, right? The Hound disarms the Mountain and thrusts his sword through the Mountain's stomach. And the Mountain back, like he backhands him down the steps. 
and pulls a sword out out of his body by the blade as if it was a splinter. Bro, the hound had the sword just straight through his entire stomach. And like I said, boom, backhand. Uh, Sandor Clegane starts rolling down the stairs. And he just starts pulling out by the blade little by little. What a psycho, man. Yeah. And, I mean, you hit that dead on because, I mean, it was projecting out of his back. Like, yeah. it was deep in there. Oh, it was through. It was through and through, bro. And the mountain then starts hitting Clegane with his left hand. So that's the hound. Uh, falling, forcing him to, like, fall back down the stairs. Now, do you have where he removes his armor yet, or are you about to get there? I'm about to get there. Okay, my fault. Yeah. My and fault. as he falls down the stairs, that's when, you know, the hound is kind of pushing himself up, and you can see the exhaustion on the hound's face. Like, he's just completely, take a shot, <laughs> um drained like if you've ever been in a wrestling match like this is that feeling of shit like this is it, like you just pick your ass up and keep going um so he pulls the sword out as you can see like the skin and the muscle tearing and the blood squirts out the stomach as he's pulling it out and it's fucking massive motherfucker like it's walking down the stairs as the pieces of the armor, as he's bleeding from his skin, are just falling off his body. And the hound starts fucking laughing. Like, just laughing over and over. Because you're thinking, just like if you're fighting with your little brother when you're a kid and he's wailing on you. You're like, fuck, man. I can't fucking win. This is bullshit. And then it kind of cuts over to Arya. Yeah, that's what I have. So I'll take that part a little bit. So what I have right before that is the, the mountain removes his armor and picks the hound up and throws him back. Now while that's happening, Arya's trying to escape the city, but she falls down in danger of being trampled. And the woman and the, the, woman and the child that we talked about earlier help her up, mm -hmm. which is going to come back big later on. So that's the, that's the people who couldn't get into the city in the beginning, that they pushed him back, right? That woman and that same child helped Arya get up. Now it goes back. To the mountain and the hound. And I do want to say, as Arya is there, you can hear the citizens screaming. They're yeah. like, "Help! Help me find my wife! What's going on?" And the smoke and the ash are just everywhere, man. Yeah. And so, what I have here now, because I'm gonna—I'm sure you might have more in detail, step by step. But what I thought the it. biggest moments were: the mountain has the hound by his neck up against the wall, and the hound is able to get to his dagger. And he stabs the mountain's shoulder, neck, and side, and the mountain doesn't even flinch. He then picks up the hound by his skull with his thumbs pressed into his eyes, just like he was a, like he was able to do to Oberyn about to crush his skull. Now, the hound blindly is able to search for the mountain's face and stab his dagger through the mountain's eye through the back of his skull. Finally, something that had an effect on him. But the mountain literally pulls the dagger out of his eyes. And so as he's doing that, the hound tackles him through what remained of the wall of the Red Keep. And they both fall to their deaths into the fire below as their story comes full circle. Because keep in mind, the hound's only the hound with that burned side of his face because Gregor pressed his face against the fire because uh, the hound was playing with one of Gregor's toys. And the hound has been afraid of fire ever since. 
the hound is finally he just overcame his fear of the fire to take down his brother so basically the fire started their rivalry and the fire ended their rivalry jumped right through the thing and they jumped they, they went right through the red keep probably 300 feet below into the raging fire on the streets and that all we saw was we didn't even see them hit the ground all we saw was them enter the fire and that was that was it that was the end of our game boys and i do want to say something about this as he's stabbing him i actually counted it he stabbed him six times and it was the neck the neck the side the neck the side the neck and right before he shoves him out the wall he goes fucking die yeah that was your favorite part you said that a couple times today that's funny and and you know it's it's iconic and ironic because you see the hounds and the mountain fall to their death in a pit of fire which is yeah it's like that's like i said their story began with fire the mountain holding the hounds uh, head to the fire as boys because he was playing the mountain's toy which had them on their journey to end here in the fire which led them on their journey to end here in the fire the hound was afraid of fire ever since that day he overcame his fear to get revenge he saw on his brother the entire time. His whole story started and ended with revenge, and he was able to get it, but it cost him his life at the same time. And I do want to say this, because I marked where actually the knife went through. It didn't go through his skull. It went actually through his left eye. Yeah, but I mean, it came out the yeah. back of his skull. The back it of his skull. It went through his yeah. eye and went throughout mm-hmm. the back of his skull. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I was saying. But anyways... Um, now we get we get a cutscene back to John is what the next thing I have here. John is telling his men to fall back. Like he's grabbing them and pushing them, trying to get them to fall back. And then while he's trying to get them to fall back, it cuts us over to Arya. And she's like laying down and you don't know if she's alive or dead at this point. She's she's banged up, covered in ash and soot. She finally does get up. And the building starts collapsing, and she's running, and it almost looks like the building gets her, but it doesn't. She finds a room where the woman who helped her up with the child was, and she tries to get the entire room moving, saying, "You can't stay here." So, do you have what do you have on that? Is that pretty much what you have as well? Right, like she's just getting up, telling the civilians, you know, people are grabbing her hand, they're coughing, you know. This is when. Drogon is breathing through the city as he's soaring, and the the wildfire is starting to actually come up from the streets of the city. And it's and she's telling these people, you know, get up, you can't stay here. Yeah. And then remember, the building, the bell tower starts to collapse, and then falls on top of her, and she's sprinting as fast as she can. And no matter what you can do, the entire city is collapsing on top of this girl. And the crazy thing is, too, man... I have next. The Dothraki are attacking innocent civilians, and the woman falls to the ground. Arya tries to help the woman up, but she can't move. And she tries to take the child, but the child goes back to her mom. And unfortunately, the fire takes them. All you see is a big stream of fire overtake everything. So you're not quite certain of their future, which we will be certain here very, very soon. But you see the fire engulf exactly where they were at that point in time while Arya goes behind the side of a building. And I do want to say this. She did say that I didn't mention. She looks at them and she's so desperate to get them out. She looks at the woman and her daughter and then you had 
all the civilians that were next to them and she says if you stay here you'll die follow me follow me and she was trying to pull out as many as she can but there's just not enough time yeah and then what i have next here is jamie and cersei they're in the secret passageway but the rubble has built all the way up and they're trapped there's no exit they're in the very, very bottom where like Tyrion and Jamie met. Like the like the plan was to get Jamie and Cersei out, and they can't get out because the, all of the the crumbling of the buildings has led up to a big pile of rubble that they can't get through. And now Cersei, of all times, starts begging Jamie not to let her die. Like, but you deserve this. You went. You've been doing. What do you mean? Like, don't let me die. You've been the biggest instigator of all these bad things that have happened throughout this entire series. So, anyways. I actually have those quotes. Go ahead. So, I mean, this is... I don't feel sorry for Cersei, by all means. But you do kind of... You wind up seeing that sense of fear, just like she's always done for her children. And she's grabbing Jamie and says, I want our baby to live. I want our baby to live. I want our baby to live. Well, she also said, I don't want to die a couple times. before. Yeah, I got that here, too. Yeah. She says, don't let me die, Jamie. Please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. Jamie says, it's all right. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. See, I still got that. Look at me. Not like this. Not like this. Not like this. Look at me. Look at me in the eye. Don't look away. Don't look. Look at me. Nothing else matters. Only us. Yep. Now take it from there. They hold each other as the keep collapses on top of them. And I'm very fucking pissed off about this. And now I'm going to express my anger here. (laughs) How do they get to die in each other's lover's arms after everything that they've done? I get it. It's a symmetry, guys. If you think about it, the lazy way out, which is the way they took, it's like, oh, Cersei and Jaime came into this world together as twins. They leave this world together as twins in each other's arms. That's fucking bullshit. Of all the shit that Cersei's done to this <laughs> point, especially her, and I'll, I'll give my, my, my rewrite or what I would have done in the summary mm-hmm. later on. I'm not going to fucking give it up right now. But, bro, no Stark gets any sort of vengeance for Ned's death. Joffrey died by Olenna and Littlefinger's doing. Illyn Payne, we never hear from again. Cersei dies by rubble of the Red Keep. The fuck out of here. Dude, I thought I it was so very, fucking mad. You always get mad at me for saying declimactic, anticlimactic. It's so anticlimactic. Boss. Like, that's how Cersei goes out. Cersei, the, the huge fucking an, the, 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 the antagonist outside of the Night King, the second biggest antagonist. Actually, they kind of almost made her the biggest antagonist. because The made, biggest. Which she is was straight stupid. Up it should have been the Night King, yeah. but yes. I agree that they, they almost made it seem like she was the biggest antagonist. She goes out in her lover's arms under crumbling rubble. What lazy ass writing? Bullshit. Are you kidding me? That's what we're going with? <laughs> no, I, that upsets the fuck out of me. I'm sorry, man. No, I completely agree. I have to take a shot. I have to. I don't mind if I do. <laughs> Go ahead and take a shot. Take two for me. Take two for me. Shit pisses me off, man. Now, Benning off and Wise said it's because when Jamie said early in the seasons how he wanted to die in his lover's arms, that's why they did that. But I think it was the biggest fucking it's a cop, cop out. out. I have to agree. This was bullshit, man. It was just 
it, it, you build up all this shit for the biggest antagonist in the whole fucking show to get killed by some rocks in her lover's arms she got to go out in her lover's arms get the fuck out of my she's face. the one that deserved the most the worst torture. yeah the worst she's death tortured, possible imaginable tortured people killed people bro i think i people. think honestly when i give my my Masande my alternate, got no revenge. Like my all, like fuck Masande. Ned Stark got no revenge. That's Ned what the whole Stark thing got no revenge. Yeah. fucking Alaria so. got no revenge. We can go on all fucking day about. I this mean, shit. honestly, Alaria doesn't really count because Alaria started it and killed her daughter first. But anyways, my biggest thing is that, and I will go over this later on when we talk about our summary. What should have happened here, and how much better it would have been. And I think yeah. you guys would be very, very surprised. But anyways, we go back to Arya. And she sees the woman and child's remains all charred and burnt to ash. She knows it's because it has, like, the little toy that the kid was holding. Like, she sees the remains. And, like, her escape kind of gave me anxiety because you didn't know if she was going to live or die. You know what? Maybe if they let Arya die in that little situation, it would have took us a little bit more surprise. I'm not not saying it should have happened, but at least I would have been surprised. I'm not going to have my faceless woman go out by some rocks like that bitch. All I'm I'm saying... (laughs) Is that at least would have been non-predictable? It would have been it would have been a shock and a surprise. Okay, I'm not saying it's what it should have happened. I don't. I'm not pushing for that. But that's my biggest problem with season eight is everything was so fucking predictable. Yeah, it was so frustrating. I got no surprises. No, not one. (laughs) No surprises. And so, and then the one thing that we think could be an awesome surprise ends up here: a white horse appears to Arya, which they could have either explained. Or had some great symbolism, but nope. She just wrote it out of the city as the episode ends. That's the biggest thing I've got a problem with. They never. I'm not the biggest thing. That's one of the bigger things I've got a problem with. What did I say right there? What the fuck? Where did the horse come from? (laughs) Was it the white stallion of the Golden Company? How the fuck did they get? get, (laughs) I can't read that word. This word right here. I don't. Oh, there. How did it get there? Is it supposed to mean something? What's this one said? Yeah, read, read it out. I can't fucking read your handwriting, bro. What the fuck? Where did the horse come from? Was this the white stallion from the Golden Company? How the fuck did it get there? Is it supposed to mean something? Written by Harry... What is Strickland. Name? Strickland. I said Strickland. I spelled it wrong, so that makes sense. The leader of the Golden Company? How the fucking fuck did it get there? <laughs> bro, and here's the thing, too. And this is... And I'm going to I'm gonna quote some stuff that I thought would have been cool, what I thought they may have been going with. I don't want to ruin anything because guess what, Shocker? It's not this later on, right? In the Bible, in the book of Revelations, it's quoted, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him. It would have been a sweet full circle from the beginning where Cereal Pharrell told her there is only one god and his name is death and then when jack and hagar paraphrased something very similar and he said there is there is only one god a girl knows his name it would basically have been characterizing her as death setting up for one final kill and they dropped the fucking ball and that's what i fucking have I like where you were going with the revelation thing because that was also a big fan theory. My problem is, in my opinion, she's already completed the prophecy to them, so I don't want to change that. But if you're the god of death, it doesn't like at this point the prophecy is completed. Fuck the prophecy. In your in your opinion, the prophecy is completed. Again, keep in mind this is what you think they were trying to go with, right? 
So yeah, the, the problem is because think about this though. In the books, Littlefinger is still alive. He has not died, right? Right. And the actor who plays Littlefinger has blue eyes in real life, right? So like, if that's what they're going with, and they're going with Littlefinger being the the green eye, the quote unquote green eyes, because guys in the books, to Chase's point. Littlefinger is characterized as having gray green eyes but in the books he's still alive right so but here's my problem is I understand it looks like he it, he does have blue eyes some point in the show there are parts it looks like it, I actually have those eyes they're called hazel because they change my actually change color a lot of people don't know that based on a pigment in my eye based on the way the light is they can change color so there are parts where it looks like it's almost green but the, the, the end but of all be just, all is like regardless. Let's say and she shakes I mean, her head. Remember that I know she nods. Night. I know she nods her head, and I actually brought that up to you. But my point here is, it, let's say one way or the other. If the prophecy was fulfilled, great. If it wasn't fulfilled, great. It doesn't mean if you become the god of death. That doesn't mean just because your prophecy right. is over, you don't kill anyone else. Yeah, uh, you know what I, I mean? have to agree with you. I don't like, think she was even the god of death. I think Jacken was still. But the I'm god saying of death. that could have been a symbolism of her becoming the god of death because, like, you know what? She just saved the world, and guess what? She's gonna fucking save the world one last time, and could have stopped something. Like anything could have happened with that. And the fact is, they made it a point for it to be a white horse to drag her out of the city. And guess what? That's what they left us with. It's that she just got out of the city with a white horse. We got no explanation for that. Where the horse came from? Apparently, the horse didn't mean a fucking damn thing. I have where, like, a lot of people think she might not be the god of death, but the angel of death, which would be, like, a tool of yeah. the god of death. But they're saying this is referring to Arya's line, which was, I know death, he's got many faces, I look forward to seeing this one, because it's trying to say it doesn't have to be a human face. It could be anything, but this is a bit of a stretch, in my opinion. Um actually uh in the quaith uh what do you how do you say it wait wait the the, the girl that was in karth the quaith quaith her name is quaith yeah the one who never got brought up again in this whole entire ice and fire series oh yeah that girl yeah. i'm gonna talk about a lot in the summary yeah sure go ahead yeah. talk about her there is a theory though uh according to george r r martin's books right um, where the white horse, like you're saying, is referred to the pale mare. But she says, the glass candles are burning, and soon comes the soon comes the pale mare, and after her the others, kraken and dark flame, lion and the griffin. Which remember we talked about the lion. That's who they were. But we the talked about men. that. Me and you talked about that separately. The pale mare that she was talking about ended up being the fucking um, what's it called the the disease that spread throughout marine. Well, you can't say that was their intention because and let me finish the quote real yeah go quick. ahead sorry she I says to do. oh you're fine lion and the griffin sons of sons and the murmurs dragon trust none of them remember the undying before the perfumed uh senechal. uh now they're trying to use fan theories really take things out of perspective because they're really trying to stretch this to say she's the god of death um and and a lot of this i've even seen things too 
where theories have said Bran warged into the White Horse. How the fuck would Bran warg into the White Horse? Yeah, I've heard that too, unfortunately. I like, where the with fuck do you come? I would read but the, that. But at the please same read time, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not How, sure how the please? fuck that would happen. But, yeah. <laughs> but my, the thing is, like, Bran didn't take any part in this entire big battle here. So, I mean, I guess it's possible. But, dude, that's not that's not the end-all, be-all point. Is Describe that, to them who the Quaileth is one more time. Quaith? Just, uh, it's not the, oh, the Quaileth. Okay, guys. <laughs> I spelled it Guys, okay. Let me let me explain this real quick. Quaith is the masked girl who accused Jorah of betraying Danny and Karth. Okay, season two. Season two, and she actually plays a bigger role in the books and stuff that never was brought up in this series on screen, which really bothers me. And then we'll talk about it later on. So Quaith was the masked lady who seemed to be able to almost. Not, I wouldn't say omniscient, but she knew things that she shouldn't really know, and she knew them with certainty. And she was able to pull up her own prophecies of her own in the books, where in the series it kind of left you on a cliffhanger that never got fucking answered. Now, but, and actually this quote that's mentioned a lot for the fan theories, it's actually, it, uh, she speaks about it in Dance with Dragons, the books. Um, now, I think the more plausible theory is the plausible theory is that it's Harry Strickland's 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 Strickland. Strickland's horse, which would make sense. But how the fuck would it get back inside the gates? I don't know. I just think they could have had an I they they could have pulled an awesome symbolism out of that, and they dropped the ball. That was my biggest thing. Like if that's what they meant to do, and it was just happened to be a random horse that happened to be there, awesome. But guess what, man? Like. Dude, it could have been any like. Why did it have to be a white whore? Why did have, like why get everyone like thinking one way just to be like let everyone down? Because it's not like they let everyone. They, it's not like they 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 did the opposite of what the, everyone was thinking and in a cool way. It's just like oh nope, that was a horse to get her out of the city. How fucking boring and stupid was that? Here's the other thing though. I I feel like they were trying to press it because she has some sort of connection with this thing. Remember she like grazes it and smiles? Yeah, like she has yeah, she had like this weird like interaction with it. You're right. She did like so that's what I'm saying, but that's my point behind that is it was never explained and never mentioned again. The horse brings her out of the city and that's the last we see or hear of the horse. I think it was here's here's my opinion. This is just my opinion. I don't know. I think it was Benny Hoff and Wise's point for, like, she's, like, her own god. So she technically could be the god of death. Like, she is no one now. She determines her own fate, which is why she did not pursue Cersei. And then they use that as Harry Strickland's horse that happened to magically get there. But it's too much of a fucking stretch. I can't buy that shit for a minute. It's just, it's very, very frustrating because they had... I think it's bullshit. They had a couple different ways they could have went with it other than transportation to get her out of the city safely and that's exactly what ended <laughs> that's up being. what it was i think they wanted an excuse to give her some fucking transportation so they let so people stupid. roll on this stretch that it was the horse of but like death you, but you've built this girl up like if she's creating this prophecy like in in you know to if you are if you're going to take chase's idea of this is what benioff and weiss were trying to accomplish with the prophecy if she's killed Walter Frey, Littlefinger, and the Night King, and closed the brown eyes, the green eyes, and the blue eyes, like you would expect that there's something real big waiting for her at the very, very end, and that this horse was meant to mean something, 
or like, like why even show it why even do anything why not even have her just crawl out of the fucking city what was the point of having the horse there her having that weird interaction where she like pet it like looked at grace at what was the point they, they brought it up as it was going to be a big significance and it wasn't now and that's my problem here's my issue though is in order to them because you wouldn't have said this prophecy from the season and tried not to solve it with the audience at some point but think about it. at this point it couldn't have been cersei because cersei already died and danny has violet eyes in the books right but like that that so it wouldn't have been either of them that would have been the green eyes it's there's nothing to do with what i'm talking about now has nothing to do with the prophecy it has everything to do with why bring this up if there wasn't a bigger like reasoning behind it exactly let me finish real quick because i have a point here my point is i think because i let me explain this I think that was their prophecy because that's the only one that makes plausible sense was you had Walter Frey, you had Peter Baelish, green snakish eyes, which kind of look almost like green, but they didn't want to play it off. So they just acted like they were almost green. If you look in photos on the internet or you look in the damn show, which a lot of times they do show up blue, but you can almost play it off. And then you did have the Night King, which is clearly blue eyes. So that was their expression to try to like shove this into one to solve this really quick. Then you had the white horse that comes in. They really just want some fucking bullshit transportation to get her out of the city after fucking everyone's left. The city's in fucking smoking ash and can't see shit. And you want to save Arya because she's the fucking hero but of Winterfell. Okay, but at that point, just get on the horse and leave. Don't make it right. Like, don't make it like a big interaction between them. Like she looks at it because and holds its mane. Like here's my issue, because they wanted to kind of try to play it off as that because they knew people would bitch. When in the back of their mind, what really was going on is they had originally set this shit up for ten seasons, shortened that shit to eight because they wanted to sign on for Star Wars, which they never fucking did. I don't know. Regardless, my, that's the they, only explanation I can come up with. There's, I mean, that I, I or think maybe they just dropped the ball. I, that's my, I mean, that's my take on it. They dropped the ball. They had a lot of different ways they could have went with it, and or I have it to say, just never got brought up again. I have to say, here's it, like you said, they dropped the ball and they were trying to send a message that wasn't clear enough. It just came out of fucking nowhere, and they have nothing to back it. Yeah. I mean, at any any point in time, they, she could have got out of the city by any different means. Like, why a white horse? Why did she have a moment with the white horse before she got on it and ride it out of the city? She could have been fucking taken out by John. John could have found her and dragged her out of the city. They could have found, like, the rest of the army. Like, she could have ran out of the city. Like, she could have... She was at that point. Like, they could have done anything. Why make the point of bringing a white horse into it and then just being like, okay, she got out of the city safe. Cool. In the words of Taylor Swift... It's too late for you and your white horse. Yeah, it is, because they didn't <laughs> yeah. bring it anywhere. Because you <laughs> fucked it up, Benny sure off and wise. Excuse sure my language. You guys are awesome, but fuck yeah. that. I was very frustrated by that, too. But, yeah, man, that ends us up with the uh, the bells. That was a that was one of the most badass Those uh, bells breakdowns. Are ringing. <laughs> yeah, they rang and Danny didn't care. Ooh, <laughs> what a Christmas. So, <laughs> yeah. Guys, thanks for sticking with us on this one. This is one of our favorite ones to do because not only did we get to go through it, we got to bring up big issues that we had with it. And then later on when we finish up you know, next week with the final episode, then we do our summary, you're going to be able to hear all the big problems and all the big things that we have accumulated throughout the entire series, broken down and simplified to where we put our take on it and where we think things were meant to go, where they should have gone. And so... 
stay tuned for that because you know as as great as this was i think that's gonna put us on a different level just because maybe maybe we have the same ideas and maybe we've got different ideas uh with you guys and so i'm looking forward to hearing and seeing once we kind of put it all out there uh the reaction to it so yeah Yeah. i mean this episode was really when you had a lot of the audience say danny became mad queen my opinion was i understand what she did i don't agree with how she why she did it after the bells but before i can understand how she get up to that point but as we always say i do want to say this was foreshadowed from the beginning it was and when i have i've gotten notes from the very 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 beginning of season two i think it's when the first time that she mentioned it and i'll bring that up in the summary too but guys um season two remember she said i will take take what is mine with fire and blood i will take it yes i will take it 100 percent. and that's just the beginning there was more there has been foreshadowed throughout the entire series and we'll talk more about that but uh you know as we end up here guys we want to thank you again for the engagement and all that you've done and, and been through with us so thanks for sticking with us through this uh you know this is uh you uh, with all the the interaction that we've gotten with you guys through all of our social media pages um you know through the new in new followers the old followers the downloads that we get every single day uh we check it constantly we talk to each other reviews that come in he sends them to me like we get really excited about this stuff and now that we're coming in on the conclusion here pretty soon of this fantastic arc we're really looking forward to branching out like we're like we, it's going to be a sad day when we finish up game of thrones like we're both going to feel a type of way about it but we're also really excited about what the future holds too and we're looking forward to bringing you guys with us yeah i mean uh, y'all been on this tour from the beginning and it's really a testament to you guys um one thing that's big uh we have been featured on game of thrones world so if you follow the fan page that's pretty cool um like i said you know we have celebrities that check out our story we got a lot more fans that keep following us uh we're on twitter instagram linkedin rbrow129 jay nelly official ridiculous patronus linkedin um anything else we're on we're on Jeez, all the platforms email, all the Shit. all the podcast platforms like i mean you you guys will you guys will see us out we also have our own like uh, official website too that, yeah ridiculous patricia uh, <laughs> ridiculous patricia ridiculous patronus.blogspot.com so go there so, what's cool about that too yeah um you want to tell them what's cool about that i mean that that's something that i i don't ever want to take your thunder for that because you've been attacking that more than i have so you go ahead and tell them a little bit about that um yeah i mean what's what's really cool is you can listen to josh and i but then of course you can watch us on the youtube or as you listen what's great you can watch those iconic moments so when we speak about things or one thing i really love is like uh, a couple episodes ago when we were talking about Arya and the guards how it refrained back to season one or you can see the differences with the banners from last week these are things you can see for yourself and you can follow along with us. So when you watch these things, you don't ever get confused with the story. I mean, watching us, man, you never have to pick up a book. You never have to watch a season of Game of Thrones. All you got to do is sit back and relax. Yeah. So, I mean, as of today, though, this is the ending of our breakdown the of, end of the world as we know end it. End of King's Landing, as we know, right? <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, this has been the the end of uh, season eight, Game of Thrones, episode five, The Bells. Uh, this has been another uh, ridiculous installment with Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. 
Signing off. off.